the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Good morning, everybody. Can I greet somebody on your left and your right? Bless the person. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Tell the person, the Lord will enlighten your heart this morning. Tell the person, expect a miracle. Yes, tell the person, expect a miracle. Expect to be filled. Yeah, that's important. Say, expect to be filled with the Spirit. Say, you will be filled with the Spirit. You are not living here the same way you came. You will be filled with the Spirit. Let me just read something that Pastor Courage shared with us this morning as the word of the Lord. He said, Thus says the Lord, Enter the new month fully persuaded of the goodness and the sure mercies of God, with your heart set to serving with gladness like never before, knowing that it's a privilege to be accepted in the beloved. He said, Journey on with great expectation of pleasant surprises from him. I just remember that. He said, Journey on with great expectations of pleasant surprises from him. He said, I hear again and again, be expectant. Set your heart on him to serve him, says the Lord. Welcome to July 2023. That's from Pastor Courage. All right, the Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly to declare the glory of the Lord again. We do that anytime we start to minister the word. This morning, let's open to the book of Psalms. We are in Psalm 97 from verse 1 to verse um, 9. I want us to read this. You know, when we were singing National Anthem, when we were in secondary school and NYSA camp, we were taught this. If you are done the assembly and they start singing National Anthem or the pledge, wherever you are, you stop. Wherever you are, you just stand there and wait. We learned those in NYC camp. So I want us to do that anytime we are declaring the word of God like this. I like the way we do in Kingdom God Ministries. I really like that. And that once we start teaching, everybody settle down. If you come late, stay in the overflow. All right? Because um, a lot of times, you know, because churches want people to come, so they take anything. But I remember those who used to go to a Catholic church, get to a point in time, they put a bar across the door. Once they start the, this a real ceremony, you're not moving, you stay outside. You know, we children will dodge under that thing. <laughs> but we're children. The adults will wait, you know, responsibly behind it. All right? So let's do that. All right? When we're declaring the glory of the Lord like this, take it like an anthem, like a pledge. And you stand, you know, with your heart before the Lord and declare this glory for the world to hear. Amen? Amen. All right? Psalm 97, verses 1 to 9. 1 to let's go. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many highlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightness light of the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion heard this and was glad, and the daughters of Judah were rejoiced because of your judgments, O Lord. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. I want us to read verse 9 again. One to let's go. One more time. For 
you are the Lord Most High over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. We say it again. Our God is the Lord Most High over all the earth. And is exalted far above all gods. Hey, I don't want to start preaching now. Otherwise, we'll stay here for a while on this particular verse. I keep on saying all the time. The church, please don't be afraid of anybody else's agenda. Because your God is the Lord most high over all the earth. He is exalted far above all gods. Father, we declare again this morning. You are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. We say the same thing of the Son. Lord Jesus, you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. We love to worship you. We love to serve you. It's the greatest desire of our heart to be conformed to your image. This morning again, we have come because of that purpose. We have come to lay ourselves down before you and to be transformed by the entrance of your word. Thank you. Because we know this is your desire and your delight to do this for us. Therefore, we declare as follows. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Great things are happening for us again today. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Alright, let's continue. You know, sometimes the way this world goes... What I'm still on now, I thought I would have done that in one session. I think it's the fourth on that issue of um, uh, the knowledge of God. But I feel like starting this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, we'll read into chapter 6. The book of Hebrews, chapter 5. I, I like to do small trivia when I'm preaching. I just, if you hear me preach, I, when I'm quoting Hebrews these days, I always say, Paul said, People say they don't know, they are not sure they wrote the book of Hebrews. You know why I started saying that? You know why? I found that the church didn't have that argument until over a hundred years or so. Until modern times, really. That the early church used to quote Hebrews as the words of Paul. So I said, why did we just get up one day and decide that we are not sure? So I said, I'm going back to join the fathers. You know what they call the fathers? Yeah, they used to quote it. So I just said, uh, it's in modern times where they just woke up one day and said, no, we're not sure is the, is the word of um, Paul. So that's why I just started doing that again. One day I was doing my studies. I found out this question started recently. So those early people must have had a good reason for what they were saying. All right, so let's read these words of Paul from the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Now I was talking about um, Melchizedek. Even though what I want to read has little to do with Melchizedek as a person or the phenomenon, I just want to bring this, use it to bring a context into what I want to read. So let me start from verse 7. 
Well, what we are going to is chapter 6, verse 1. But nice Bible reading to begin from verse 7 this morning of the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Talking about Jesus, he said, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And it was heard because of his piety or because he feared. He said, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, having been designated by God as a high priest, not according to the Levitical priesthood, but according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, let me slow down here, verse 11. Concerning him, that is Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, notice that. He said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is an infant. I like King James there. He says he's a babe. He's a baby. My Bible uses the expression, he's an infant. He said, but solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washings or baptisms, and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now this moving on, he said, we will do, verse 3, if God permits. Now said, for in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. I'm going to stop reading verse 6. Uh, the last two verses are not uh, very, I'm not going to discuss them. Uh, I just wanted to bring out the fact that we are supposed to make progress spiritually, and that's in, that uh, comes through going for the higher and deeper things of the Word of God. And if we only stick with the elementary things, the Bible calls us babes. And what you find about babes, babies, infants, is that they get carried away by trivial things, and little things divide them. I know that because elsewhere, that's in First Corinthians, he explained that when you find divisions among you, I hope you're getting my point, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of uh, Christ, uh, you know, all of that. And he said, why is that? He said, because you are still fleshly, you are still soulish. Some people will use the expression, you are still having a natural mind. That is, you are still carnal. You are still carnal. That is, your attitude is still like the natural person. That's the meaning of the word being carnal. That is, the flesh still dominates the way you reason. He said, that's a sign that you are a baby. You are a baby. And then, of course, in the early stages, we must learn the elementary things. But then there are things that we must grow into. That growth comes as a result of knowledge. 
it comes as we begin to go for, you know, the, the, when I began explaining this a few meetings ago, I said the desire of our heart must be to know more. I hope you get my point. We must never be satisfied with where we are, okay? Don't just, you know, don't have this lazy attitude. Now, let me talk about that. Laziness is not the will of God. Do you hear what I say? What did I say? Laziness is not the will of God. See, I'll just talk a bit from my personal experience. God doesn't like lazy people. He does not expect his children to be lazy. Even when you are waiting, he keeps you busy. Do you hear what I say? Now, you know what they call full-time ministry? I believe in it 100%. It annoys me when somebody tells a pastor, go and look for what to do. In my mind, you are saying he's not doing anything. And that attitude is the reason why the word is not blessing you. When you don't recognize. Have you ever gone to tell Wolosh in go and look for what to do? Do you get what I'm trying to say? You see people on television, they are talking, talking. You've never told them, go and look for what to do. They talk. Anyway, uh, like they say, how do you terminate insults? Apostle. So that nonsense is poverty. That advice is because you think he's asking you for an offering. And then just by the way, you know a lot of people here, you know, they are, you know, as I like to just small, small. You know a lot of people like, you don't, you won't believe it. They like poor pastors. The average person in the world expects a pastor to be poor. The painful part is that the average Christian, without saying it, also expects it. I won't sit on that too much. But they actually, they don't know. They expect, they expect it. Unfortunately, when they now find a poor pastor, all they do is insult him. Okay, let me stop it there. You want me to explain? No, I will not explain. Because if I start, that's 30 minutes. But let me quickly see what I want to say why I brought up that issue. So I believe in full-time ministry very, very well. But what I tell ministers, if you're in full-time ministry, it should be what? It should be full-time what? Ministering. Do you get my point? Can't wake up in the morning and be picking your teeth and you say you're in full-time ministry. Now, there's some people are in business too. You know, people just like titles. Say you are doing business. What have you businessed today? See, if you are sitting in one shop, you didn't sell anything money to leave me. Go and pray. You must be, ah, you should say, no, you see, it's not about money. It's, it's about doing something. You can't just sit down there doing nothing. I tell you, you are doing business. You're not doing business. You are busy doing nothing. It's not just about ministry. Anything you are doing. I remember, um, Tor Reverend was telling me, we just seen some time ago, a few years ago. She was, she, he was advising one sister that had them. Um, she started a business, all right? So she was talking about business is not moving, that kind of thing. He said, what do you mean business is not moving? You are rendering services, right? She said, yes. He said, but you are sitting here most of the time I find you. Because you have opened an office now, just down there, Goza. You now put a sign. He said to her, the service you are rendering, write it down on a small flyer. Go to all these offices. From this office, go and tell them. Give it to them. Hmm? Tell them, this is what I am doing. This is where you can find me. So you can't sit down here morning till night. You tell me that you are, you, are, you are doing business. Of course, the business is normal. Finally, she had to close the business. And his own problem was that, you don't understand, you are not doing business. So it's not just ministers. With the ministers, I tell ministers, there's nothing. <laughs> See, for me, it's not about money. Young ladies, let me just tell you another thing. Never marry an idle man. Never. In Jesus' name, I forbid you. I rebuke you. I bind you. Did you see the number of things I did to lay you? In Jesus' name, I forbid you. I bind you. I rebuke you. What did I do? I forbid, bind, rebuke. I cast you out of that idea. 
I didn't say don't marry a poor man. Did I say so? No, what did I say? And I do my don't. If he's busy and he's not rich, he's a blessed man. If he's very wealthy and he's idle, leave him alone. He will soon finish the money. Seriously. We'll soon get into the court teaching. Let's just get some. Any man that always has time for you is a bad husband to be. <laughs> I know many of you, infantile brain babes, you think he's a good man. Anytime you call, he's there. Just go at one o'clock. You just say, "Ah, I feel like uh, I feel like chopping ice cream." Um, Judah, please, I need ice cream. And then he leaves everything he's doing to go and buy ice cream. Two of you die by fire. <laughs> Both you that asked, and the one that was asked and obeyed and did, and I so love the shark you. You're in the office. My woman, where you want to marry? They call you from nowhere. I don't feel like taking ice cream. And you leave all the responsible things you're supposed to do to go and pursue it. And then she too, she foolishly tells her, uh, her friends, he really loves me. No, he's an idiot. doesn't love you. doesn't have sense. If I was the one I had, I'd hang the phone on you. So what did you just do? I said, my girl, behave yourself. It's one o'clock. Where do you think I will be? I'm walking. Ice cream, 8 p.m. Meet me at the mall. So I'm not going to come. Don't come. Stay there. Save my money. I said, what are you advocating for these brothers to do? They have to wake up. <laughs> this is how these strangers, that thing behave, starts. Yeah. I mean, today, man, like that, after some time, start feeling like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people won't like what I'm saying. It is the very reason why I'm saying it. Come on. Hey, young lady, let me just beg you. First, any man that has your time, don't marry that one. Yeah, yeah, yes. You call him at one o'clock for ice cream and he goes to get it. Don't marry him. It's a bad husband to be. That's what I mean by have, have your time. I'm not saying you never have your time. I'm just saying at one o'clock. When responsible people are, even the people who are digging are still digging. They've not taken a break. Ah, every, no, think about it now. Unless the night watchman, so he's sleeping. You can, I can understand that. Or he did night shift. Even if it's night shift, you should let him sleep. So he can do the next night shift. Otherwise, normally you should be at work. Call him at six o'clock that you want the ice cream. Hey, hey, hey. Who can understand? How come we're making silly demands at odd hours? And so he came to tell me one day, say at eleven o'clock, he said, want say one chop chicken. And he went to look for the chicken. I said, next time you go, if I find you looking for a chicken at eleven o'clock in New Heaven, if I'm rubber, shoot your leg now. He said, God did not protect you. Said my wife, I felt like eating like chicken. You came to warn yourself. Oh, this is how you could spoil ministry. One day, my wife was not angry with me about something. He said, when you said that, I knew you were joking. I said, who told you I was joking? Who told you I was joking? Come and ask me for chicken at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I am not going to buy you chicken at 11 o'clock. You are not sick. It's not medicine. If you are pregnant, self, we will give you, is it Utazi? There's something they will chew like this. <laughs> <laughs> the pie cow will go away. What kind of nonsense is all of this? See, you cannot be risking the life of your husband because you want to eat chicken. Are you the first to get like Mary born Jesus Christ. You not chop chicken. Mary born Jesus. He, who said? Did you hear that? They say it's the baby that is looking for the chicken. Okay, let me beg you. Your baby shall be a vegetarian until he's born. 
Nonsense. I'm not saying don't buy chicken, but please don't leave your house at 11 p.m. New heaven. Look, God said they protect people, but don't tell the Lord that God. Tell my wife, you want chicken, tomorrow you shall, you shall get four. But this night, you are eating cornflakes. That's what I, okay, there's no, there's fish now. You know, with no women, they just want to show that you love them. I love you, baby. I just don't want to die now. I want to live for you. After all, if I am alive, you chop more chick. Abby? You want me to give you scripture? I will give you. I will give you. Because this one that they did, that this way my guy doing on this side, tell me chicken. Or... Let me use the Bible to end the discussion. When the men of David had him longing for chicken, at 11 o'clock. You remember that story? Yes. And they went to get it. You know what David did? He refused to drink that water. I said, no, this is not the right thing to do. I, I appreciate your zeal. I appreciate your love. But people, let's reserve this for God. So he took the water, you know the story, and threw it away. He, they loved him like your husband loves you. But he said, no, I won't encourage this. That's what I'm saying. The 11 o'clock is, not, is because of the times we are in. I just said, no, no. Let's leave such things for when children are really, when they see real, when there's trouble, they call it an emergency. Somebody's bleeding. Then we rush there. No, 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 they have very nice buffet breakfast. Yes. Just go there. Chop. Just say, so yeah, let's go out. Let's go there. Eight o'clock, go and chop. Better breakfast. Are you discussing with this one? <laughs> if I see you there chopping buffet. <laughs> what? Do you know they, you can't chop buffet. This behavior is deceiving you. You are not yet allowed. Leave it for the snail boys. All right, when I go there now, if I see Jonathan there, see all that John, see you, Pastor came to there, you know, and I see myself there, you know, that kind of thing. It's the will of God, amen? amen. If, you see any, if I see Akindo there, yeah, 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 he's going to repeat university. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. The Lord is good. So that, that's just by the way, all right? What I just meant by all of that, please, let's get the serious Spirit is what I'm going to say. We must be serious-minded people. And I, said, and I mean when I tell young ladies, don't marry an I do man. Don't. Everybody must be busy. It doesn't have to be rich, but it must be responsible. That's what I'm talking about. It must be busy. He must be blessing somebody. His hands should be occupied so much that he doesn't have time to, to jerk any time you touch a button. Just like, hey, where are you? Just get up and they start running after you because you are the first person to marry. That's not a good order. It's cut, look, it's, it's the curse of evil. That's what we are activating. That's the point I'm going to make. Everybody should be responsible. Everybody should be busy doing something. Even when we are waiting for God, doesn't expect to wake up in the morning and pick our teeth till 12 midnight. I say we are waiting. If you see when Abraham was waiting for God, in that process he became very rich. In that process his head multiplied. In that process the number of workers he had increased to such an extent they could go for war. But an average person wants to just sit down at home and say, I'm waiting for Isaac. 25 years later, he's lean and old and gray. What are you doing here? God called me 25 years ago. We are waiting for Isaac. 
Let me tell you what happened to Abraham. If he had died before Isaac came now, it wouldn't have happened. We thank the Lord for it. I just want to bring out the point. He would have had no regrets. He would have had a fulfilled life. I hope you get my point. Yeah, he was busy. Now, please, notice I'm not focusing on wealth. Have you noticed? Are you getting my point? I'm focusing on being productive, using your energy, your skills, your intellect, things that God gave to you so to be blessing people, and you are regularly doing it. You are occupied with it. Again, let me remind us of the difference between a man of faith, because a man of faith and, a, and an NFA, they look alike. You know what they call NFA? No future ambition. When we were in university, we used to use those terms, not use those days. These boys won't go to class. Assignment, they don't do. Exam, some of them, when they now discover the word of faith, now listen to this. A lot of them discover the word of faith. They now go and hide under the word of faith to cover their laziness. Why are you not going to class? There are certain keys. And they will show scripture. The Bible says there. If you see it, you can receive it. Just by seeing it. You see it. You declare it. You lay hold of it. So they wake up in the morning. They are seeing it. They are declaring it. And they never lay hold of nothing. What they were doing was failing one after the other. Repeating classes, getting kicked out of school. Why? Because that was not how faith worked. And that is not how it works. The word faith is the same word in Greek for faithfulness. There's no difference between the two. You have to read them in context to know the one the Bible is talking about. So I say to people, how do you know an NFA? Because a man of faith can be very similar in their talk. And their outlook towards life. When they talk to you, two of them can look alike. How do you decipher which is real faith and which is just a, a visionless, aimless human being that's hiding behind faith? It's simple. Check how he's handling the affairs committed into his hand today. That's all. If he's a real man of faith and he's a student, he's the first to get to class. It's not because he's, he doesn't have faith. But because he has faith. I like one thing this man said, um, very, because it's counterintuitive. John F. Kennedy, that famous speech, was talking about they are going to the moon and all the plans they had for that decade. He said, we are going to do these things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. You must have heard that speech before. He says, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's why we are going to do them. And he succeeded. Put the American boots on the moon. What am I going to say? So sometimes we do these things, not because we don't have faith for God to help us, but because we know he is going to help us. I hope you're getting my point. For example, the subject is difficult. The subject is very hard. I have a choice of two. Stay at home and do nothing because it's too difficult. Or I get up and go to class. Why? I know God will go with me. I hope you're getting my point. I know he's going to be with me. So I go to that lecture. I sit down there. Even though this is advanced physics, advanced mathematics, this is astro- uh, uh, no, astronomical physics. But I sit down there. The Lord will help me. I don't give up and stay in my hostel. I hope you're getting my point. And that's what happened to me. I, I've told you the experience. I t- tell you once in a while when I was in school. Two subjects like that. I'll tell the second one. I don't tell that one too often. I didn't like it because it was very... In fact, those kind of things, you don't know why they put them in medical curriculum. You just wonder, was this thing put here to torture young men and women that come to study medicine? 
Didn't used to go to class. Didn't used to read it. Everything to me was pointless. Then one day I went and prayed. Of course, the exam was approaching. I was watching it in front. I went and prayed for God to help. And I, I don't know how I heard it, but I knew clearly. The Holy Spirit said, this one you are doing. It won't work like this one. Those is 8 o'clock. He said, lecture is 8 o'clock. This guy, I'm not leaving the house. For, for, why should I leave the house? It's for, for a subject that I don't understand, that's boring, that's not exciting. But after I finished praying, you know the first thing I started doing? I stopped missing any lecture in that particular subject. That was the first thing. That was the first reaction of the Spirit. You are praying for help. You are here. Get up, my friend. So the class is 8 o'clock, 7.45. I'm there. I was obeying the prompting of the Spirit. 7.45, I go there. I sit down there. And I had a habit. I was sitting front. Is it exciting? No. Why are you doing it? Because I have faith. Faith told me, get up. Go to class. How can you say you're a student? You're lying down here at 8.30 and asking for help. Of course, I stopped that rapidly. That was what faith did for me. So you want to know somebody who really has faith? Check how responsible. It doesn't, you just sit at home. See, there's no job. There's no job. You, now go, you know, some people now go to where jobless people who are not planning to have job gather. I don't know whether I get my point. You don't have work. Please, don't go and hang with fellow jobless people because most of them don't want to have work. Most people don't have work right now in this nation because they don't want to work. I know some people think that, no, it's not so. The economy is bad. It's not true. For the number of people that have left this country, the number of vacants that they have created, you'll be surprised. Ask those who are employing. They can't fill those vacancies. Two reasons. One of those reasons is that those who come, they say they want to fill it, are so incompetent. They are so incompetent. If you come to an interview with my wife and tell Reverend, one of the first thing they give you is a sheet of paper. Write a small essay. And come and see what adults write. The idea of the essay is just to see your command of English and your awareness of the environment. This asks for things like the impact of COVID-19 on Nigerian economy. It doesn't require you to know advanced economics. Just know there was lockdown. Productivity went down. I hope you're getting my point. Stuff like that. And you'll be amazed at... Some people, they, 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 no, they, they don't even know what was called lockdown. That is one problem. The second problem is that everybody just thinks that if I get a job, I should become a millionaire. That day I told him, okay, that my wife needs somebody to help out with this kind of work. Ah, he said, there's one guy I know in our church. He can do this kind of thing very well. So then he comes and he said, the guy said, how much are they paying? I said, tell, tell him the job is no longer available. I didn't ask. I said, just tell him he's no longer available. Why? I said, he's not a serious person. He said, how do I know? He has not even come to see where the job is. He has not talked to the people at all. He's asking how much are they paying. Obviously, you're only interested in money. And people with that kind of narrow eye, narrow sign in their eyes, are not good workers. What is wrong, wrong with going to work? Say, okay, let me just work with you for two months. There's nothing I'm doing now. How much are you going to do? I don't know. I don't really need, need, need too much money. Once I can have transport money and food money. For two months, so I'll just help you guys. I'll help you I need. You know, most people think that kind of attitude is strange. It's not strange. That is how it's supposed to be. Three months can't pass. You say you finish NYC. After three months, all you are doing is checking email every day. Anyway, it's not your fault. It's Nigeria, our culture. Because you are eating. You know, if you don't have enough food to check your email, somebody's, and it's true now, somebody's giving you that, you're calling your uncle or your, your father, you know, of course, your father is still sending you money to buy credit so you can check the email. If everybody will just deprive you, remove that, they won't give you call credit, nothing, and food money, you'll be amazed. They don't give you money to eat. You'll be amazed at the amount of jobs available. You, I'm tell, you will go and work just to have enough money to check the email. I'm telling you the truth. We have a culture around that allows us to survive, even though we are not doing anything. 
It's part of the problem we have in the society. That's Nigerian society. Because, uh-uh. <laughs> in fact, in Nigeria, sometimes you wonder why. The only reason why you walk is that you have shame. You know what you call having shame? Because these beggars make more than you. It's in Nigerian culture. They, they make more money than a lot of working people. And if you don't believe me, just stay with them. Just stay for like an hour and check how much they collect in an hour. Multiply it by eight hours of begging or six hours in a day times, say, 24 days. Maybe they go to church too. Multiply You now ask yourself. You, you just go and resign. Say, oh, you're going to they work again. <laughs> After that, you buy dark goggles. Just wear it. The ones that I saw in Lagos that day. You don't even need to buy that dog. It's better you're a woman. It's even the easiest one. Just buy dog, baby. Wrap the dog, baby. You know what they call dog, baby? Okay, you, you speak good English. Just buy a doll. Wrap the doll. Hold the doll. And be going from glass. Nobody check whether the doll is breathing. I saw the other day in Lagos. These two young ladies. They, they pretend like they are from the north. As if they are refugees from Bono State. They just wrap dolls. And they look like refugees from the north. They just throw cloth over there. Going from car to car. Tell you. They make a lot of money. And that's the reason why a lot of young people say there's no work. Because they don't go to the road. They go from uncle to uncle, auntie to auntie, father to mother, friend to friend. Six months later, they say there's no work. Meanwhile, bishop is looking for who will supervise a site for him, even if you are not a trained builder. You know, just have a res- having a responsible man there to check that nobody's kind away his cement. He will pay you. Bishop, you know, go pay. Say, that's not what I studied in university. <laughs> That's not what you start. If the Angote hires you and I say, they come the trucks that are going on, that's giving you good money. You forget what you study in university. That's not so. Oh, it's about be that's not what you studied. He said, what should I do in that period? Pray, study, yes. And every day, find the place where you can bless somebody. There are people who need help. There are all kinds of jobs. Say, ah, bros, what do you do in your office? There's nothing I'm doing now. Can I help you guys out for, for, for a while? But I may leave suddenly, because, but I'll give you two weeks' notice. You're not even discussing pay. Just, I just want to wake up in the morning and go out and go and do something to help somebody. Do you know, if every Christian in Nigeria does this, you'll be amazed at the amount of economic activity we will generate. And the money will suddenly appear from nowhere. And everybody will be prospering. What am I saying? Look, let's kill listeners. Listeners must die. It will die. We'll say, Lila won't agree. If you're a student, your primary assignment is read your books. Study. Stop watching. You know, some people just, you just be there making young, some people running up and down, making, there'll be any millions of pounds a week because you're always staring at your screen. You should spend more energy acquiring skills, acquiring knowledge than you're spending on entertainment. You're there fighting on who's supporting Manchester United or Chelsea. You've not even asked yourself one day that this Ronaldo, why does he even send my, my church a tithe? Have you? Apostle? The man doesn't know, he doesn't care about you. He's transferring for $100 million, $100 million pounds, jumping from one place to the other. If he smiles on Instagram, he makes money. You don't know that? If he just decides to start one Google, uh, YouTube shorts, this and just be dribbling himself, Google will be paying him money because not all of you will come to be looking. He didn't ask yourself, what is he doing for me? I'm not saying don't watch him. Just reduce it. Don't fight over him. He's better than Pele. Who was Pele? You have no work you are doing. Leave some things for Dangote 
and other dollar. Let them be fighting on who's pelew. Do you get my point? Because they are the ones that the other day here say that I'm going to want to buy Liverpool. Is it Liverpool they wanted to buy? Arsenal. I was like, why? In fact, now I supported it. Let him go and buy it. Just go and buy it. No, I think he should. It's important. He has to buy it. Ijoma doesn't know why. It's important. I will tell you later why. He should buy it. So when I said Arsenal is a Nigerian club. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I trying to say? Leave the people that have eaten and they are full to be wasting all their energy. But the point is that those guys say they are too busy. They've, if you bought that club, that guy that I know, he's not even going to watch their match. He's not Ibrahimovic. He will not even have them to watch their match. People of God, listen, there's no like, you can't be lazy. I just want to establish that. Like I said some time ago, if you were brought up in a home where they have so many people doing things that you didn't have work to do, don't worry. Wake up and deliver yourself. Yes. Met one brother in Portacourt. When you see, you know, he's a, you know, he's a rich kid. Yeah, he's a rich kid. He was working at an oil servicing firm. When the oil price tanked some years ago, they were not paying them. He said he, he, he had heard me teach. He said his parents have money. He said, and he had a wife and two kids. He said he couldn't go back home to go and beg his father for money. But there was no money coming. He's an engineer from the oil servicing firm. He went and met his friends. He said, guys, what can I do? He said, the only job available is painting work. I don't mean Picasso. I mean paint walls of a house. He said, no problem now. Pastor Bank said, we can't sit around doing nothing. The guy sat down. In a short while, his friends taught him on how to paint. Because an engineer has an engineering hand. And I'm sure he could paint straight. Because after you've drawn, when you study engineering, when you don't draw a line for school tire, even if you sneeze, he sneezes straight. <laughs> the guy said, he just joined his guys. Because they were doing construction. Construction was moving. So he started painting. He said, with that one, it was any enough money to bring food home so his wife and his two kids could eat. He said, his father had money. He said, but no, I'm not going back home. I'm going to be begging my father for money. This is not good. And I think he did that, I don't know, until things picked up again. I hope I get my point. Let's kill idleness. Let's kill laziness. Let's kill laziness. And so he said, there's no working country. Like, Listen, your friends who travel abroad, call them, ask them what they are doing. Every man we don't jackpot around you. Call now, ask the work they are doing. You are feeling too big. You said we do it too. Because when you reach abroad, you land some places in the UK at the wrong time. One day I saw the video of a woman, she did shiver. But she was still recording herself on Instagram. I'm dying here. I'm dying here. Then one Nigeria called the wrong commentary. There's some of you in Nigeria, you are watching this. This is time to pay back. If you have a brother or sister or uncle in the UK, don't ask them for money. If you do, you are a wicked soul. He said, just help them to pay small electricity bill. He said, even if it's just a hundred pounds. One of my guys said, do you know how much hundred pounds? <laughs> he said, send it to them. That they co- ah, it was the height of winter. Energy became so expensive, the government had to cap it. But capping it meant they had to pay, and they did not have the money. It's one, one of the reasons why uh, was not that woman before Rishi Sunak. No, not Theresa May. There was one woman that lasted. Eh? Liz Truss, thank you. That's why Liz Truss lasted six weeks. It's part of the problem. They were trying to solve that. They said, you capped it. Where are you going to get money to pay? She couldn't explain it. It was so terrible. So what, what am I going to say? 
You know, Nigerian weather, no, they kill. That's how we can be lazy. Just sit at home. Say there's no food. There's, there's no work. You won't die of cold. If, if you need the residue, you wait for EDC to pass. Then you jump and hang something on their wire. <laughs> and they won't arrest you. If they find the money, they cut the wire. Early morning, before they come, you quickly go to pull the wire so they won't cut it. That's why you are telling me there's no work. If you're in a place where cold, we make sure you don't wake up in the next morning. You go to work that night. Are you not the one that told me one guy that left Nigeria? He ran abroad. Big guy here. I don't want to tell you how big he was. Big guy. He can't, he can't go. He arrived for winter. Go find work. And secure, security guard. See, if you want to do security guard, not during winter, when you're always coming from Nigeria. See, cold is very terrible. See, you don't understand. You, if you are going there, yeah, just practice. Spend one hour in your freezer every, <laughs> every day. <coughs> you are laughing. Is that cold? When you see them walking up and down half naked, that is summer. Don't be deceived. The day I entered that day, I funny summer. I wore a sweater through. All of them were having feeling. Oh, summer, some of my friends said, my banking. Some, I said, some, some waiting. <laughs> this thing was colder than cold season in Enugu for me. So I wore a sweater all the time. And so I was looking odd, you know. Everybody's you see everybody walking naked. I said, I wore my sweater. I said, I don't want to die for here. My wife is waiting back at home. <laughs> so enter your freezer, stay there one hour a day. Then you will have acclimatized before you travel. Because this is, your, this is my guy's guy. This guy I'm talking about didn't do that. When he got there, they made him stand. Now he called my guy and said that his scrotum was freezing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was what he said. <laughs> when I did it, I laughed. So my guy said, why don't you sit down? He said, oh, God, no. <laughs> the guy said, cool, wanted to kill him. When he tries to sit, he's a, what's it called, that thing you hang here, the walkie-talkie or whatever. He will go, supervisor will say, hey. <laughs> okay, Chiku, what are you doing sitting there? <laughs> what am I trying to say? Why is it there's no work? Let's be honest. You don't want to do the work. It's available here too. It's available. Listen, It's available. People do all those things because they have faith. Yeah, they believe that it will be better. Just for a season. And for you too, I'm saying, it's also for a season. It will also be better. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. And listen, for us believers, our lives are not... Uh, look, God is testing these things. Yeah, he is. When he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. See, let me tell you what they call humility. God was not saying, when you see me, be humble, be humble, be humble. That's not what he meant. Because you know, nobody in this universe can be proud in his presence. Even Satan, the most wicked of all, when he gets before his presence, he's humble. He answers questions. Where are you coming from? From walking to and fro. Have you considered my servant Job? He didn't say, yeah, I'm going to get him one day. He didn't say so. He said, you have put a hedge around him. For that reason, I can do nothing. He's humble. So when God said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he wasn't saying, when you see God, bow. What choice do you have? That is, what was he saying? What does it mean to humble yourself? Because God is the one dealing with you, hmm? because it is God you are showing yourself to, do things that are humble 
around you before men. I hope you're getting my point. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen, that is things that you will do and men will be surprised. That's what he said. That is when Jesus wanted to humble himself, it was not before the father that it counted. It was that he said, you call me master. You call me Lord. And so I am. Yet I have come down to wash your feet. Do you get what I'm saying? What am I trying to say? Many people. Because the problem is lack of humility. So you are going to humble yourself. How? You are going to do a job that people will wonder whether you are crazy. Before I lift you up. Yeah, that's it. Go there. Go and walk. You go to the place. You apply for work. They said, work not available. Then you hear them offer one kind of job. You look at the job. It's not so... Maybe an engineer. They just say, okay... You'll be, you'll, be, you'll be in charge of their warranty. When people bring their phone back or this thing, but you check whether it's it, then you repair it. And you're looking like, ah, so I have a two-one in electrical and electronic engineering. But let's say take the job. It's, it's electrical and it is electronic. <laughs> <laughs> the first day you go to work, your supervisor, you finish secondary school, he didn't finish it when But he's been working here for the last 10 years. So he knows more than you on the equipment here. Because they sit down there and learn from him. Sit down there and learn from him. And his work is any more than you. When they tell you the salary, well, it's not bad. He can pay small. He can do transport. He can do small food. You'll be changed to give because you have to always have money to give. That's the primary thing. There's money to give. Okay, fine. And then your mind, Holy Spirit, just say, one year, I don't want to be coming late because you went for an interview. Some people don't know some things are bad. You are working somewhere. You'll be coming late because you went for another interview. Some things you just do, they are just wickedness. It's not right. This is just a one year. And you sit down there, and that one year is not like one year I'm waiting for the Lord. One year. And no, 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 no. It's one year that at the end of which they will not want you to go, even you will not want to go. One year, if you are the first to get there. One year that if anybody comes with a complaint, before they, they even finish registering, the, you, you look at the equipment. You bought it from us when? Six weeks ago. One year warranty. Oh, that is, you read this, you've, you've gone to read by yourself. You've studied, you've done everything. I mean, you went to school. That's what your schooling is for. You're there on YouTube checking how, how they can fix this. Before they come back, you finish fixing it. Yeah, fill these forms, you sign it for them. By the time your seniors come, yeah, three old guys came this morning. We fixed it. We didn't have to change anything. I just needed to fix this one for them. It's good. This is the amount of parts they have to change has reduced because you are working there. And all the parents are just saying, I beg, what's my own? Just yank it, replace it. Yeah, go. Because the cost of the parts is not on you. No, you look at it. This one is not bad now. Oh, this pin was just not properly fixed. You are just the pin, sold out something, put it back. Say, so don't worry. Your device is fine. And of course, your friends who got the job in big, Big tech companies and oil companies, they are calling you once in a while. You know, some boys just, so they don't even know how to be humble, self. They now come and be showing up to you the useless, expensive watch they bought. Hey, have you noticed something? Every watch you have, once it's working, it tells the same time. You go and buy a Patek Philippe of 200,000 US dollars. You know what I found out? It is not even, I'm not exaggerating. It is not even as accurate as a watch that sold for $150. That I'm guaranteeing you. I'm not guessing. The best 
primed Rolex does not keep time as well as a Casio of $50. Yet to correct it, Rolex, when, it's, when it starts losing two seconds or three seconds in a day, costs you $500 to correct it. That you submit it for correction. They bill you $500. Why? You are a $100 now. If some people buy that watch, it doesn't concern me. Just make sure you can afford it. And your offering is bigger than the watch. So, why I'm saying all of that, okay, is that if you have the plenty of money, you can buy the watch. But don't harass yourself. Let not your friends who just started working yesterday be intimidating you with things they have that you don't have and you are agreeing to be intimidated. Don't agree. Walk there. In due season, God will lift you up. How high did I get into this? Fighting what? Laziness. Please also, parents, don't allow your children to be lazy. Hmm? I don't care how rich you are. They must wash plates, wash their own clothes, make their own bed early, learn to cook. Do you get my point? One day somebody said, <laughs> one, one young lady, another person was asking that. How do you intend to do this? They said, my mother said we will get house, we will get house help. But hey, when you become a woman on your own, what are you already budgeting for? Hey, you know, no, that one is not even hard. God will just make sure you marry one man that plans to jack You finish marrying him, two of you will go to one part of U.S. where there's no Mexican. You know what that means? There's no cheap labor. And they will make sure that only one of you have work. And it will be your husband. Then, you will know what it means when they say women can multitask. That's what you will understand. <laughs> You'll be cooking and breastfeeding simultaneously <laughs> and answering a phone call. <laughs> Become a gymnast. I'm telling you. At the same time, you go, that is, as if you cook, like you carry the baby, dress the baby, strap the baby down, zoom, you're up. See, those of you who are trying to run abroad, may the Lord help you to go. Amen. You know why? No, the person that said amen, I know why she said amen. Because she's thinking what I'm thinking. So you go and learn lessons in life. All your laziness normally stops. We tend to leave laziness in Motalai Muhammad Airport. If we don't, we leave it in GFK. As you will land, within a few hours, you've stopped being lazy. One of my brothers said when he moved to the U.S., he said he had not driven himself in years. He had enough money. He was already having a driver all the time. Driver go to school. Driver do this one. He reached America. Oh, boy. Drive your own car. What's your problem? He learned to do everything. So I pray a lot for a lot of young Nigerian men who, who, who present Buhari called lazy youth. A lot of the lazy youth, Father God, may you just give them visa. Let them go. Make sure it's a six months visa. Okay, one year. After which they must be deported back. There's a reason. When they come back, my God, the country will prosper. One day, Nitel building in Lagos was burning. An Indian diplomat, a diplomat, not Indian. I think it's a Kuwaiti, one of these diplomats, and he was there. He looked at the building burned down. He said he wished they could bring Nigerians from abroad, that they would put out the fire. He said the way he sees them walk when they are abroad. He said they would have put out that fire, but he burnt down in Lagos. I'm telling you, once they get there, everybody wakes up. Everybody, one bro I know, it's a relative, so when they reach there, walk up and down, no, ah. He saw where they were floating cement. They told him that, look, you will die. he said, no. He, they told him that, look, 
no one were young, they used to say, oh, white people, they are not strong. Ah, lie. They went to those guys who were carrying their things, saying, go carry. Okay, they, they put, how many days did he work? I don't think it lasted a week. The man agreed to be offloading stuff. Wham, on his back. This is what he would never do in Nigeria. But you know, you have to choose between that and hunger. The Lord is good. So, now that our young people are no longer lazy. Hey, by the way, if you're a lazy person, don't ever call my name that you listen to Pastor Banky. I've seen a lot of, there are some people they use me to hide. They are bad people, though. JK, they will not be using me as an excuse. See, Pastor Banky said we don't have to type. Meanwhile, they don't give shit shit to anybody. If you want to follow me, be follow me fully. I hope you're getting my point. What did I say? Follow as I follow Christ. Come and ask me what proportion of my income I give. For example, you know, we don't have to type. What I meant, in case you have not heard it before, is that when you are calculating 10%, you have not started. That there are so many things to do. You can't be running your life on arithmetic calculations. What I meant, or what I mean anytime I say that, is I have never tithed to pay my children's school fees. I have never tithed to buy my wife a car. I have never tithed to buy the children food. I just buy the food. I don't sit down and say that, you, you children, you have eaten 10%. I won't say because bread has gone up in price. And now it's not, it's not entering 25%. No, I have given God 10% of, your, of the food so you should manage it. What do I do? I continue to give the food as God enables me. So I tell children of God, treat the work of God the same way. That's what I'm saying. We are not worshipping an idol here that will give him something that he will take care of us. They will go and do anything we like. No. We are completely sold out to him as is our father. The same way we are sold out to our families if we are the provider there. That's what I'm saying. So a lot of people who are stingy, they go to a church, they'll be arguing with their pastor. That is not compulsory. We don't have to do first fruits because they don't want to bring money. Back to what I was saying. You are not listening to Bankio. Maybe there's one guy that pretends to be me you find on YouTube. It's not me. I hope you're getting my point. In the same manner, in fact, you know, Pastor Corey said something one day. He went to preach somewhere. When I say camp somewhere, it's a good one. He said that one young man ran up to him and said, I was so happy to meet you. Oh, yeah, Pastor Corey, you're so happy to meet you. You kind of greeted him. He said, I'm one of Pastor Banky's um, disciples in the world. I say, okay, so I, I hear him talk about it. He said, okay, okay, okay. So as I was about to leave, a copper, NYC, a core member, really took some money and put it in his hand and said, please, sir, God bless you, sir. Pastor Chris said something. He said, this one follows Pastor Banky. Do you get my point? He just said that this one follows Pastor Banky. That was the testimony in it. The people who have come to Sokoto there and said they came from Pastor Banky, and then they asked for say, look, I say, by the time they displayed two things, he said, this one didn't come from, he's just using, maybe he had one or two messages. He got introduced and said, oh, we're from Enugu, we're Pastor Banky's people. He said, you are welcome. Usually they need something. But there's one by the time even the pastor realized this one needs money, looking for, he wants to settle. He's sure he ran away from here. You know, some people run away from town. They are owing everybody. Police is looking for them. They now run somewhere and say, they know, they will now say, Steve is my friend. Steve says, I should come and meet you. Please, if anybody says somebody should come, call the person first. That's on my side. So if you are lazy, you are not following me. What did I say? Anybody following, is never lazy. If your parents can't see the difference that now you wash car and you cook, 
I hope you're getting my point. Before your father gets up in the morning, he should come out and see that you have washed his car. Next time he says you are going to fellowship, he will let you go. So young boy, every time they, they will take to a mission, go for choir practice a whole night. Why are you with your father? If you are the one, you will let your girl go for choir practice a whole night. You are a crazy man. My daughter can never come and tell me she can give a choir practice a whole night. You are not going. We are singing, singing in this city room. <laughs> I ain't giving, I'm not giving. Look, parents learn. Nobody should use all night to bamboozle you. No, no church should be letting young people come and do all night. What nonsense is that? Come on Saturday morning, come and pray from 8 o'clock till 12 and go home. Now finish on that big patrolling the streets at 5 a.m. in the morning. Why do you go around looking for trouble? This all night, who told you that God comes out at night? Why do we do this nonsense? Apostle, please just beg me to preach my message to you. Too many things are jamming in my head. I'd like to help people. If you're a young person, if you're doing all night in your church, resign from that unit. I'm instructing you. I know some people say I'm a strange pastor. Yes. See this? What are you doing the whole night? I like the one my wife, people, what they, that they do. They say they are going for one night service. They are closing at 9 o'clock. <laughs> Why people call it all night? I don't understand. God doesn't come out at night. Are you getting my point? Listen, young people, you want to do service, go at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Pray and quake, groan, whatever, till 1. Then go home. All this all night, I suppose you know now. What do they do? Boom, boom, boom. Because if they don't do boom, 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 everybody's sleeping off. The Lord is good. Ah, I think I'm done. Let's not get into our message for the day. Yeah, that one took a lot of time. Let's now preach the reason why we came. All of this one so far is to help young people and old people to know how to handle young people, so to help both parties. To know what is practical about life. All of that was just to emphasize the fact that we must not be lazy. So I, I got caught into that, trying to explain something. When it comes to our Christian work also, that's where I was going. We can't afford to be lazy. The development of the Christian life must be deliberate. That's what I'm saying. It's a deliberate thing we do. You do it deliberately, knowing that it is required of you by the Lord. He does not want us to remain babes. You see here, anytime he talks about things like that, you see there's a kind of expectation. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you. That is, there is an expectation that the time comes that you should no longer be one that needs to be taught the elementary things of Christianity. That what you should have done all right? Or what you should do is to grow constantly. What you should do is to grow constantly. Quickly open to the book of Second Peter chapter 3. Let's look at the words that Peter used there. I said everything I said so far. For us to know that we can't be slack. Pursuit of the knowledge of God is deliberate, must be deliberate, it takes effort. Peter said, from verse 17 of 2 Peter chapter 3. You therefore beloved, knowing this beforehand. What was he saying we should, that we know? That we know that, let's back up to verse 14. Therefore beloved, since you look for these things. <laughs> can I back up to verse 13? <laughs> it's like you read it. It's something you want to bring into context. From verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way. What sort of people ought you to be? In what regard? In holy conduct 
and godliness. Notice it's something deliberate. Looking forward and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He said, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent. Somebody say diligent. diligent. It's work. Be diligent to be found in him, to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking of them, of these things, of which some things are hard to understand. Now notice that some things that Paul will write, he said they are hard to understand and the untaught and unstable distort them as they do also the rest of the scriptures, but this to their own destruction. Now, instead of being untaught and unstable, distorting the scriptures, what should you do? Verse 17. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Please notice it. This untaught, this unstable and untaught people who distort the scriptures, what they do is to cause people to fall from their steadfastness because of the errors that they teach. He said, but to prevent being caught in that trap, grow in grace, verse 18, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now notice that. That is, you are to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growth in grace comes through increase in knowledge. Did you hear what I said? Growth in grace comes how? Through increase in knowledge. This knowledge must be sought deliberately. That's what I've been trying to emphasize. Growth in grace comes through increase in knowledge. The knowledge that you seek deliberately. You make up your mind you want to understand. That's what I'm saying. You make up your mind. You know, one experience I had over time again and again. And see, sometimes my wife and I will be talking. We still had this discussion a few days ago. I was talking about somebody. Anointed man, you just see the kind of thing he's doing. I told my wife, you know what, of course, making mistakes in decision making one after the other. I said to my wife, you know what the problem is? She said, what? I said, he's not taught. He's not grounded. He doesn't have a solid foundation. I said, that is why. Now, listen to me. If you spend your life on anointing, I've gone there again, digression. Don't follow a man that's not teaching you anything because he's anointed. I'll be getting my point. If anytime you come to church, all you people do is fall under the power. He say, ah, that man is on fire. Ororo is burning. You know that kind of thing. Listen, even if he is not a fake prophet, don't let Ororo, the burning of Ororo, impress you. I hope you get my point. Again, please, people of God, I am not trying to be critical. I'm trying to balance life of believers. Stop looking for where you will fall under the power. I am not saying... The anointing does not make people fall under the power. I hope you're getting my point. It happens. All right? We find it in the Bible. It's all over scriptures. I can start giving you, whether it's Ezekiel's story, it is there. When the the, the, the glory filled the temple, the priest could not stand to minister. It's in the scriptures. The day the Holy Spirit came, they were unsteady. That was why the Bible said, the, the, the people said they were drunk. 
It was not just because they were speaking in tongues. Like I say humorously, the alcohol does not teach you how to speak Swahili. I hope you're getting my point. If you are drunk, you only speak the one you were speaking before. You even speak it badly. So when they said they were drunk, it was because they were unsteady. They began to stagger, and some of them fell. No doubt about that. So these things happen. However, don't go around looking for how you will fall down and think and be impressed by the fact that when you enter that place, everybody is falling down. You can fall down empty, rise up empty. The person that received the biggest anointing in history, his name is Jesus Christ. And when that anointing came upon him, he walked away like nothing happened. So much that they said it came upon him like a dove. I hope you are getting my point. The most important thing, that's what I'm trying to say. When you are following somebody, ask yourself, what am I learning? What am I learning? What am I learning? Don't be, you know, some people that are professional catchers. Your job is not to catch who they fall. See, and then you are feeling spiritual. When people fall, it's an overflow. I hope you're getting my point. It's just an overflow. All right? That's not the main thing God is doing. In fact, Kennegan taught some things. He said that many times he found that preachers often dissipate their money. They waste it. So they turn it to play because you know the power is there. Just touch this one, it goes down. Touch this one, it goes down. Everybody just going down, going down. They say, what do you lose because you are just wasting energy. If you feel the anointing, ask, what is it for? Say, because anything you touch, they will fall. Doesn't mean you have used it well. This was Kennegan teaching. So he learned not to dissipate the anointing. Sometimes the anointing is for you to hold and use to utter prophetic words. You use it to push somebody down and you feel anointed. What am I trying to say? The, you see, when Jesus, in that John chapter 6 story, you know it, after he shared some dangerous truths that the disciples, well, everybody disappeared. When he asked Peter, are you not going to go? What did he say? To whom shall we go? You have the anointing that heals the sick. Was that what he said? No, was that what he said? To whom shall we go? When you lay hands, man, we see the fire. Was that what he said? What kept them steady was what they were looking for. He said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So people are following prophets because they see, my father, go deeper. You are a prophet with address. You are not a Sunday school teacher. Not knowing that it would have been better if he was a Sunday school teacher. Like my wife would say, <laughs> I had to explain to my wife, hey, hey, relax for these people. He said that, your phone number is 001-111-222-333-444. So my wife said, so? I said, it's not your fault. It's because you know the word of God, so you are not impressed. For those who don't know, it impresses them. You know, I said, now I want to break the back of poverty in 20 people's life. One, one million, they come forward. Look, my wife said, okay, now you have described my grandfather's village. So? I said, it's because you know Jesus Christ has delivered you. If you did not know it, they would tell you to bring one million to be delivered from poverty. You too, you will, br- you will bring it. That's why you remember that way too. If I had one million, why am I calling myself poor in the first place? <laughs> they didn't think about it. That's an aside. Why people get carried away is because they are not seeking the things that really give balance. They are not seeking the things that really give stability. Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Stability comes from knowledge. Till you are no longer babes, tossed to and fro. Is that not what Paul said? Babes are easily tossed. Everything that comes to town, they are there. Everything that sounds so, you know, 
Esoteric and sounds so, wow, you know, like deep. There are deep things you hear sometimes. There was some man preaching somewhere. When he finished preaching, everybody was like, wow, wow. Like Apostle was saying yesterday, the mysteries, the mysteries. When I heard all the ministries, I felt like they said, this man is just deceiving all of you. Was Junior did that said yesterday now? Say which mystery day? I said, You are very correct, oh boy. There's no other mystery. The one in that Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, is all there is to it. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's where deliverance comes from. You want to break the bondage of poverty? Is Christ in you. Let me throw away some mysteries. I've heard all kinds of funny mysteries. That there's a mystery for long life. You go and connect with those who have lived long. You want to know the truth? It's rubbish. In case you don't know, all the descendants of we're well, all descendants of Noah. We are connected to those who live long. Ah, twelve of us. Eli lived long; his children did not. Why? There are works they did not do, or, or works that they did that brought for judgment. Don't just go and serve a man behind his back up and down because we hear that he lived long. They live long in the family. and he, You can't transmit everything by laying on of hands. Moses could not randomly pick a Joshua and lay hands on him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He had to pick a Joshua who had been following him and learning the word, who was personally dedicated to God. Sometimes we want to connect nonsensely. No, what I mean is this. You just, yeah, no. Let me explain what I say. You just... <laughs> I don't remember something now. Let me not start that story. People have come to me many times. They want me to impart something into them. They want to connect so that they can collect. You know those kind of, ah? Another rhyme. Connect so you can collect. <laughs> and I look at them and say, see, there's no problem. I give them the Okemute prescription. What is Okemute's prescription? Just come sit down. Six months. We'll see you twice a week for six months. They don't come back. What do they want? Just lay your hands on me, I go. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I've heard some of those things before. Say, ah, I hear that these people, yeah, yeah, they, 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 they are rich there. You connect with them. How many of the times you know, people connect with, uh, thank you, connect with a seed. You want to know the truth? You ain't getting nothing. You, you are not getting anything. Before Elijah could hand over to Elisha, people say, you see, he was pouring water on the hands of Elijah. <sighs> so what you now do? You now find the man of God, you pour water on his hand. What do they call water? Offering. What do they call water? Carry his briefcase. What do they call water? Carry, you know, run his errands. I said, that's not the meaning of he poured water. That is not the meaning. Now, Listen. Physically speaking, that's what it is. All right? You do certain things and all of that. But the important thing about it is not service, but proximity. So that every word Elijah spoke, the first person to hear it was Elisha. I hope you're getting my point. Every word Elijah spoke, the first person to hear it was Elisha. There was no way. You see, when Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me or you see me, or don't see me, see me, see me things. Eh? Let me, you know, I watched a movie, a clip by these our brothers that do, um, this very famous one, just want to mention him now, that do some of these video things for us to watch. Watch it yesterday. 
And I was watching with two of my boys. They were in the car with me. It was play. I could hear the sound, but they could see the screen. So I could glance at the screen once in a while. We were driving. When I got home, I saw a beautiful video. It had to do with uh, praying so that against the spirit of death and all of that. I said, one thing I don't like about the video, I wish I could talk to them and say, this, the doctrine you are bringing out is inaccurate. As the spirit of death was coming, they quickly prayed and rebuked it and it went away. I said, it doesn't work like that. The message was be sensitive. I said, don't worry about that. It doesn't work like that. I said, it doesn't work like that. That the spirit of death you are binding today, and that that's, you bound, that wanted to come today, you probably effectively started binding him last year. It's not a moment of being sensitive that is coming. Oh, yeah, let's get to, to pray. That's not what delivers you. The prince of this world is coming. When the spirit is coming, if he has something in you, you can't bind it. If he has nothing in you, even though you are unconscious of the fact that he is coming, you can't do anything. Sometimes Christians teach a kind of sensitivity that I think disrupts the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith, Jesus said, have faith in God constantly. You don't go around spreading your antenna that this journey, should we go on it or not? I, I, I sense a spirit on the air, on the road. Let's begin to bind it. I don't believe in that. In fact, it's not scripture. You, you won't find anything like that in scripture. You have to live constantly aware of divine presence. Occasionally, now listen to me. Occasionally, God will say, okay, I don't want you to do this. Not because he's afraid of the devil on the road. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It is not as if don't pass this road, there are devils there. What do you concern Jesus Christ? When he's coming, the devils will say, hey, a guy is coming. They move. Why he will tell you don't pass through this road is this more, the reason is different from the fact that the devils are present. Because his presence drives away demons. Sometimes they don't pass through this road. Why? Because I don't even want you to go there in the first place. Because he has a plan for your life. There are many places Paul wanted to go, but God did not allow. Why? I, he needed him to go over to Macedonia. So what happens sometimes is that people say that you have to be sensitive. I say, what do you call sensitive? God, help me to explain this. People of God, you don't need that kind of sensitivity. You end up being suspicious and superstitious. They give you food. I perceive. Who cooked this food? I perceive. You become, you become an, a, a spiritual wreck, an emotional wreck. After a while, nobody wants to be near you. My mother used to have a friend. No, the way my mother is, if she wants to go somewhere, she likes to go with a friend. Of course, it's a normal thing. Okay, ah, my friends come. We know you're going for a wedding. You want to go and visit people. Said that her friend. She said, I don't go anywhere with her. Why? She's too clean now. Let me clean. She's obsessive with neatness. So this woman doesn't eat bread. Didn't used to eat bread. Do you know why? Because bread is baked naked and it has to be bagged. So whoever bags will probably touch it. Okay. Of course, I was in the house a number of times. Impeccably clean. The compound neat. Everywhere clean. She couldn't keep pets because pets will litter the compound. Now, where am I going? Do you know where it ended her? My mother didn't go anywhere with her. If my mother is going, she called somebody else. She said, come and escort me. You know, we call your friend. Eh, eh, eh. He said, I can't go to somebody's house. They offer us drink. I can't drink. Or I drink, my friend will not drink because the bottle looks like it has rust on there. That her behavior embarrasses me. That's what my mother used to say. And you want to know the truth? She died more than 25 years ago. My mother is still alive and well. Yeah. 
My mother is 84. Yeah, my mother will be 84. Her, her birthday just around the corner. She'll be 84. And that's my wife. Very healthy. She spoke with her yesterday. Her voice is strong all the time we talk on the phone. We are, some people are spiritually neat like that. They are spiritually obsessive. They have this... It's an obs- so everywhere they go, they are sensing spirits. I sense the presence here. You want to know the truth? It's not going to make you live longer. When I saw that clear, I wanted to tell people, don't do this kind of thing. You, you are going to make crazy every time they have a bad feeling. There was a day we were coming from Lokaf, the whole family. Normally we go to visit my parents-in-law there in Benin. So we were supposed to just go to, so we went to the house just to greet them that we were going. The desire of my heart was just to enter the house, sleep. The next morning we start going. So my wife said, no. She wants to go back to Enugu so that Monday she'll be in town to start her work. I said, okay. But me, I'm sleepy. Her own major issue was that now she has to unpack, then repack in the morning, and it's a whole family. So the car is already packed. Please, let's just drive it off like that. So that meant that I had to start driving. Having not slept, we probably slept around 3 a.m. You see, this is a short story. So before the judge joined, I said, I don't want to feel sleepy on the road. I mean, it's not going to be good. So I asked to drink coffee. I asked in the house that I could get coffee. So there's this Arabica coffee that my mother-in-law gave me. I'm not used to coffee, so I don't even know how to dose it. And it's one they had to brew it. So they brewed the coffee. I drank one cup of it and forgot I drank coffee. You see where I'm going. As we're going on the road, of course, my eyes were alert like this. I could see human beings. I could see spirits. I could see everything. I was when I was driving. So as I was driving, you know, I was driving. So I told my wife, I don't know. I'm having this sense of apprehension. She said, you drank coffee. <laughs> I said, oh, that's what I'm going. Do you know I forgot? You know, there's this kind of sense of apprehension and urgency. And, you know, I was feeling all the spirits. You know, there's some spirits here. There's some spirits here. There's some spirits here. So I just told her, at the point in time, I didn't, you know, I totally forgot about the coffee. I totally forgot. So at the point I just, I was, no, I wanted to start praying because I could have had such feelings before. Normally, it results in prayer, you know, that kind of thing. So I was having this feeling. Ah. So I was about to start praying. I said, I'm like, I need to pray, that kind of thing. That's what I said. Egbo, you drank coffee. I said, oh, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. I like that. That feeling was nothing to be sensitive about. Just need to remember the, the stimulant. That's where I'm going. I remember that story very well because... Before she reminded me, I was beginning to sense. I'm sensing a presence here. There's a presence inside the car. There was a presence on the road. <laughs> it was just simple coffee. And of course, I drove down home. Thank God for safety and everything. And when the coffee wore off, I went out to sleep. What I find a lot of times, people get this, this so-called sensitivity. You start getting sensitive when you're depressed. Yeah. You start getting sensitive when you're anxious. Start getting sensitive, you get into a place, you start getting sensitive, you start casting out spirits that are not bothering you. Why? You developed an attitude of so-called sensitivity, which I say to you under the Holy Spirit this morning is unnecessary. You know, sometimes Christians pursue things that God didn't send them to pursue. You no, know, God, the things you are pursuing, check this. We say you have to learn how to discern the voice of God. That's so where do you see that in your Bible? Where? Where now? I know when I say this, it shocks people. But show me one scripture that says you should. I've told you 100,000 times. Take this one that he has given you. Read it. Apply it. Obey it. 
That is the sensitivity you need. Was it on Tuesday I was explaining something here? That where every king in Israel filled is one particular scripture. When he said, make a copy of the book and read it from the beginning to the end and go over it again and again all the days of your life. He said, if you will do that, you will be careful to obey all the things written therein. People of God, I said on Tuesday, get the message if you are not around, that when God said to Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, when he said that, be what? Courageous. And there are two words he used. Yeah, thank you. Those are the two words. Be strong and courageous. It was the courage and strength to hold on to that word no matter what. That's what you need. Christians are teaching be sensitive. No. What he said is be strong and courageous to read the book. I can't teach it now for time's sake. Be strong and courageous to read the book. To continually meditate on it. That is, you need strength to tell your clients, I will not be in the office till 9 because between 7.30 and 8.30, I am meditating on the book. What does it mean to meditate on the book? I said it on Tuesday. When you speak to yourself, you are planting the word in your heart. It's different from when you prophesy. Prophesying, you are planting the words outside, around you. But when you speak the word in meditation to yourself, you are planting the word in your heart. It takes strength and courage to do that. That's what the Bible says we should do. I've met people before. Let's go and study the word of God. They have no time. They don't have any time. But they can pray. Yeah. They can pray. They get up, go to a bush. They'll go and pray. They get up, go to uh, the open field to go and pray. What are they doing? Pray and speak. Please, don't get me wrong. A lot of times, what we Christians do is hide it behind the fact that we are speaking in tongues to pray ineffective prayers. You cannot be an effective prayer warrior except you are a, an effective word in Bible. I hope you're getting my point. You can't be. You have to take words to the Lord. You have to take words to the Lord. You have to take words to the Lord. And what am I saying? That is where that lack of laziness that abolition of laziness, that's what I'm talking about. You have to be deliberate in increasing the knowledge of God that you have so you will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. When my wife and I first met, at a point in time she confessed that this guy, you are the, str- she told me, those are the, he said you are the strangest Christian I've ever met. And all my colleagues, those days, he told me the same thing in Lagos. That this boy, you are very strange. Why? Because what most Christians did, I did not do. One day, my wife now bought me this book. It was my birthday, the year we married. That is within the first few months. My first birthday after we got married in December, maybe it was in April. So she gave me the book, Final Quest, as a present. Of course, she also read the book. <laughs> as she was reading the book, I was laughing at her. You see, it is that thing you said. I said, oh, because Regina is prophesying it now. You agree. I said, the things I said, I said from studying scriptures. But now Regina is prophesying the same thing. It's making sense now because it is a prophet. You know, it's a prophet. I said, there's nothing. A lot of people, a lot of spiritual experiences that impress people and toss them up and down 
They don't have, see, people have seen all kinds of things. Their testimonies are here. I'll just say simply, I said this thing did not happen. Ask my wife. I said, this didn't happen. I said, I said, if it happened, it did not happen the way this person is narrating it. And I remember one particular one when I was in the church. One brother came to testify. There was a brother that I think either he was, there was a case of burglary. They, stuck, they stole stuff from his house or his car or was an armed robbery. I can't remember. But he lost off shot to criminals. So this brother came to church and said that there was a person in the church. He was saying that, hey, this brother, when he lost the things, he took his tithe booklet and went to God and said, God, I've been faithful. God, now, there are things you don't do. You know, I've been saying it again and again. Please, inside your heart, don't even try it. Don't let it crawl through your stomach for a moment. He said, God, I've been faithful. He said, Ezekiah did it. Don't go. Please go and read the story of Ezekiah very well. Ezekiah, when he was giving thanks later, he made it clear that he had to repent of his sins. He made it clear. Ezekiah said, I have to repent of my sins. When you're reading the Bible, you have to know how to read it. You read one account here, it's brief. Later read another account, it's expanded. When Ezekiah said, look, what we said is simple. I have no other God but you. Where else will I go? But let's just leave that on aside. I don't have time to teach that now. But the brother finished saying that, eh, I, I look at the testimony. I said, this testimony doesn't tie he said, I've been faithful. Can you go look at my tithe? Can you go, that he now prayed. The guy now recovered. Yeah, he actually recovered most of the things that he lost. Huh? Of course, he won't go and say this is a lie. I just kept quiet. I said, this testimony, I not believe him. Then finally, when I heard another side from somebody closer to the brother, do you know, none of the things said about him happened. Apart from the fact that he lost his stuff and he found them. He never told God he's been faithful to the tithe. It was the pastors that wound the story around it to make the rest of us do something they want us to do. What just happened was that he was just like, God, please help me. This thing is important. I just had an idea. They stole his computer. One of the things they stole from him. But the way I'm going is that the story they told, I said, no, this is not likely to have happened. I know God recovers laptops for people. He recovers, recovers stolen goods for people. He does. I said, but not on this premise. No, not on this story. You go to him and make this kind of demand. It doesn't ever, it doesn't ever work. People have said all kinds of things. I sit down there. I'm not moved. Why am I not moved? I, was, I used to show my wife. See, in fact, the one I see all the time, the man was preaching. He said something. I told my wife, he's lying. That one, is not, it's not as if the story is not. I said, that thing is a fab. You know what they call fabu? You know what they call fabu? I said, that is a complete fabrication. Why? I said, simple. Look at what he said. I said, you don't dare this with the God of the universe. You don't dare this with the judge of the whole earth. You can't. Nobody comes to him to be raising sure that I have done everything, that I demand that you do this, back, do this back for me. Nobody does that. But where am I going? They toss him to and fro. People said they went to Hellfire, and they saw Michael Jackson and his friends doing breakdance. I said, where? In Hellfire. You could see in Hellfire. You were able to see Michael Jackson. You say, but the rich man in the Bible, he said, no, he saw Abraham's bosom. He couldn't see his neighbor. He knew he was being tortured. And God allowed him to see Abraham. He couldn't see. You know why he can't see in hell is pitch darkness. You don't go to there and be identified who's there. Say, eh, president, you there here? It doesn't happen like that. When you get there, it's pitch darkness. 
He said, we'll get to hell. Uh, Michael Jackson will be entertaining us. I said, he, he has forgotten his skill. He has forgotten his skill. Now, so when I heard the story that people went to hell, I didn't believe a word of it. Why? Because knowledge and understanding give you stability. What did I say? Knowledge and understanding gives you stability. So you are not tossed to and fro. People will say to you, you have just one minute. You will say to God, this is everything I have in my account. After now, they are not. I just be looking at them like this. I didn't feel pressured. Because it is not under what? Compulsion. Where am I going? People, if you don't deliberate. Now, I said something to us about two meetings ago. I said, get to a point. God starts looking at ignorance as a sin for you. He looks at you and says, if you don't know this one, you will come under judgment. Now, you see the next point I want to make when I begin to, I begin to bring this to a close. I, I've said so many things that are not inside the core thing I'm, I want to teach today. If I don't, okay, let, let me not threaten the Holy Spirit. I can't. I was going to say that if I don't finish this one today, I'll just leave it. No, I won't leave it. Though. If you just come back to it, I will come back to it, okay? But I'm hoping to finish this today. Now, there are things you must deliberately. As, last time as I was closing, I quickly introduced that. So let me get back to it. There are things you must deliberately learn. Please, can I say this? It is not out of order for you to deliberately take a, take a course. To go to a Bible school, if available, to go and learn some of these things. Or create your own Bible curriculum. There are many books out there. You can come and ask for recommendations. That please, I need to learn these things. Which books will you recommend? Which messages will you recommend? You'll notice something about me. I'm one person that God helped me with that area. I don't, I never pretend like um, you know everything I know. It's fresh from heaven. I don't do that. It's not necessary. I will tell you, this man taught me this. In fact, ask the guys here. I bring the materials, I dump, dump with them. Share it to all those who are interested. I hope you're getting my point. I personally have a very rich archive of all kinds of things from all kinds of people. So sometimes you just come and say, ah, Pastor, please, ask one of the men around, oh, whoever you are, please, can you, rec- I want to learn about this. Can you recommend materials for me? Oh, they say, okay, read this, read this, read this, read that. Then you take time out to study deliberately with the aim of gaining understanding. I hope you're getting my point. Don't wait for this to fall on you accidentally. Don't wait for these things to fall on you accidentally. These are things you must learn. I gave a list of them. For time's sake, I'll just quote some scriptures. Let me quickly say this one before I give you the list. There's something I teach talking about following God fully. If you go and read, that's in Numbers chapter 32. You'll find it here and there. Joshua talked about it, okay? But you know the story in Numbers chapter 13. Do you remember? Kadesh Barnea. When the people went to go and spy the land. And then only Joshua and Caleb said the things that were pleasing to God. Do you remember that? Yes. You remember that at the end, later when they were going to speak, there was something that God said concerning Caleb and, of course, also concerning Moses, that they were the ones that followed him fully. Yeah, it's Numbers 32. Moses said, so the Lord's anger burned in that day. And he swore, saying, none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. For they did not follow me fully, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kesenite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. For they have followed the Lord fully. Yeah, there are some other references about that. Let me just read down. That's Numbers chapter 32, verse 12. You also find it, I think, in um, Joshua chapter 14. Okay? 
Now, but this point I want to make. What does it mean to follow God fully? It's one concept I began to teach here some years ago. Because reading from Psalm 119, we studied Psalm 119 at that time. We found out that the word of God has different aspects. Just, just as a reminder, the word of God has different aspects. For those who know, remind me of them. Number one, promises. Thank you. Number two, precepts. Number three, commandments. Number four, testimonies. And then number five, ordinances. Thank you. One, let's go back again. Promises. Number two, precepts. Number three, commandments. Number four, testimonies. Number five, ordinances. Now, let's just explain what we mean by each one. Promises are self-explanatory. If you read Psalm 119, David tends to use the word, thy word, for it. Your word, that is, your word to your servant. Your promise to your servant. So, we'll find it all over scripture. The promises of God, alright? Concerning healing, concerning divine health, concerning protection, concerning the resurrection body. These are all promises we have. We know that one day, and I will still recognize you there, you are not going to hell, Amen. Those in hell, they don't recognize anybody. But those of us who are going to heaven, if you are among the all, say amen. amen. We will have a new body, amen. amen. And even though the body will be changed and will be different, we will still recognize each other. Amen. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. We will still recognize each other. We have a hope of eternal life in that regard. Now, it's not a joke. It's not feel good. It's not a matter of feel good. One day, Jesus shall return. Those who are still alive that time, who have not yet slept in the Lord, they shall be changed. But those who have slept shall come back again with a new body. And that body will be exactly like the type he had after resurrection. The body won't have blood flowing through it now. No. But the life of God is oozing through it constantly. It will be like Adam after he had, he would have, it didn't happen, but he would have eaten of the tree of life and he would have lived forever. And that's what's going to happen. You are going to have a body with which you will live forever. That's the promise of God. But while we are in this body, while we are in this body. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead keeps giving life to this mortal body. Even though this body is subject to death because the body of sin, say yet the spirit will give it life because we have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. He said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit will give life to your mortal body. What am I going to say? Healing is your portion. Amen. You see, your eyes are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Your ears are healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Every part of you, that heart will not fail on you in the name of Jesus Christ. Until you have lived the fullness of your days or until Jesus comes back, that heart will continue to pump. And it will pump regularly in the name of Jesus. The kidney that they said is not working, it will begin to work now in Jesus' name. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is already working in you and is giving life to your mortal body. According to the word of God, age, old age is not a disease. So your bones will not become weak. Amen. Your eyes will not become weak. Amen. They will not become dim. Amen. The testimony of Caleb will be your testimony. Amen. The testimony of Moses will be your testimony. Amen. What's the testimony of Caleb? 45 years afterwards, say, as my strength was then, so is my strength today. And it was 85. I liked it in that story, even though I know you know it. It's a nice story. It's a beautiful story. So what happened? Caleb, there was this mountain that used to be called Kiriath Alba. Why? Because it belonged to the Anakim, the giants. And, and Alba was the greatest of the Anakim. That mountain belonged to him and his descendants. Yet, at the command of Joshua, Caleb went and took the mountain and renamed the place Hebron. 
Listen, you will rename your mountains. The Lord will give you the strength to rename your mountains. In the name of Jesus Christ. Your life will be renamed. Your testimony will be renamed. Listen, you know this man had a testimony. What is his name? Jabez. Son of sorrow. Listen, if sorrow was not following him about, he would not have gone to pray. So when his name was son of sorrow, it was not only that his mother gave birth to him in pain, he was having the pain all his life. You know what they call near success syndrome? <laughs> that was his portion. <laughs> Please are not working for him. One failure after another. But listen to me, one day he went and prayed. And God changed his testimony. And I can assure you, after that day, his name was no longer Jabez. God doesn't leave you the same way he met you. In the name of Jesus, your testimony will be rewritten also. Amen. Now, what am I saying? These are the promises of God. We, we live by them. We derive our hope from them. But Paul now said, second point. He says, seeing that we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. What does that tell you? If you don't do this, when you use the word perfection in scripture, it means to bring something to reality. What am I trying to say? That is, if we don't bring out, if you, Isaiah chapter 40 tells us, we have to elevate the valleys and bring down the mountains. Break down every stronghold. Because those things prevent the promise from being manifested. And what are those things now? What are the strongholds? They are the precepts by which we walk. There is no child of God, listen to me, that has a curse working in his life. Because in Christ Jesus you have been delivered. The problem we do have, however, is that the deliverance sometimes can't come in. Why? We are operating by wrong precepts. What are precepts? The principles of life that we hold on to. The second part of the word of God is the precepts. They are the principles of life that we hold on to. For example, why do we do business? I say Christians, we have a number of reasons why we do business. Number one, to be a blessing. Number two, to exercise our gift. I'm, just, I'm giving a random order now. To make a good name for the Lord. To, by reason of interactions, fill ours mist with righteousness. It's our opportunity to share the gospel, the light of the world to people. We're created to be a blessing. It's the reason why we do business. Money is at the bottom. It's not anywhere near the top. It's at the bottomest bottom. For us, money is just a measure of effectiveness. Money is a measure of value. You want to know how much time you put in. You want to know how much resources you put in. You want to know exactly how you are managing. You say, occupy with this until I come. You want to know how well you are occupying. Otherwise, these other things are the reasons why we do business. These are what we call precepts. Now, if we don't have the right precepts, the promises cannot flow. So we take time out to come and learn. Anytime we gather, we learn the right precepts. Sometimes here, we have done what we call business by the Spirit. We sit down, we take a whole day. Is it two days we used to do? Yes. We start Friday evening. That's how we used to do it then. Yeah, I teach. Then Saturday, we have partners, different people we speak. They are not teaching you how to be rich. What we do, used to do is to teach ourselves what is right to do as believers. These are things we must learn. These are things we must learn. These are things we must learn. The other day, my wife had, you know, bought something from somebody. When the person finished, I just said, is this person planning to prosper? She looked and said, I don't think you're planning to prosper. You're not taking responsibility for, is it's not my fault. Okay, so is it your customer's fault? I don't know whether you're getting my point. I bought something from you. Or you're supposed to deliver something to me. There was a delay. I, tell, I told you I need this thing by this time. You did not deliver it by that time. And you are saying, it's not your fault. In my house, there was power failure. I'm giving us an example. Imagine now. I said, JK, I'm waiting on Saturday. 
make my suit. He said, okay, we'll deliver it on Thursday. I said, I'm going to Lagos by a 5 p.m. flight on Thursday. Then Thursday I'm leaving. He said, it's not yet ready. I said, when well, my flight is by 5 o'clock, I have to leave. You know what he says to me? Not him. If he tries that one. You know what he says? It's not my fault. So whose fault is it? Just for you to know. How do you handle such things? Number one, it is your responsibility. Whose fault it is, we don't care. You made me a promise, you're going to deliver it before I go on my journey. You said, 12 o'clock, I will get it. I said, my flight is 5 o'clock. I'm heading for the airport at 4. It's not ready. Don't tell me it's not your fault. Courier it to me next day at your own cost. So you said, it's going to be ready tomorrow morning by 10. I said, that's still good enough, enough time. Get to the airport. Fly the thing to me. I'll be waiting for the at the airport by 5 p.m. tomorrow. I'm not going to wait because of it. And if I do, buy me another ticket. If that one is canceled. But you know people don't know that. That's why you live life. Just, ah, it's not my fault. Nah, it's not, after how much am I making in it? One day, just to give you small to wake you up. Those of you are feeling sleepy. One day I gave to my house. It was Bishop. This architect. He put bamboo all over my house. So after I went, my wife said, I bet bamboo don't do. They have finished the work. So Bishop now sent one of his boys who went to hire one capital to come and remove my bamboo. I did my house inside my room. I did hear, boom. They said they are the ones that came to remove bamboo. I had one or two cars parked there. The main house has, you've been to my house, the glass there, they are huge. The windows, big glasses like this all over the place. So I looked at the guy and say, the way you are doing this bamboo, people I say it won't break my glass or break my windscreen. You know what he said to me? Oh God, don't worry, you know go break. So I said, I'm not worried, but this is common sense. You are the only one who was walking alone. The way you are going about this thing, if you free this in the all may fall to one side. He said, I said, don't worry. I said, my guy, I'm not worried. She is my house, Abby. No problem. Let me help you. Let's plot how you move it. You know, I have a scientific mind. We'll decide which one you remove first so that if it's falling, you fall in this direction. He said, don't worry. He said, nothing will happen. After a while, I looked at the guy. So as he was saying that, he freed one of the joints. One bamboo fell and headed for the car I parked there. No God is on my side. It fell on the car, but God that raised one of them went straight to the earth over the car and hit the ground first, thereby suspending the rest over the car. So he was able to quickly jump down from where he was climbing and catch the rest and move. I said, this was what I told you just now. Next one, he head for my glass in the house. You know what he said to me? Oh, God, don't worry. <laughs> At that point, I said, okay, no problem, I'm not worried. I'm going to get a piece of paper. You are going to sign. There any glass that breaks here, you will replace it. You know what he said to me? How much did they pay me where I go sign that kind of paper? That's the next time I said, my friend, get out. He said what I said, get out now before I open my eyes. That's why he realized that I actually am your guy in that place. Although I've been pleading with him. He said, I said, I have a dog. I will release. Look, 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 my friend. Get out from here before I open my eyes again. I threw him out of my compound and locked my gate. He stayed outside until your man came and met him there. You are not willing to take responsibility for your actions. I said, which kind of human is? Anyway, it's not him I want to talk about. It's you. As a child of God, never be like that. 
if you broke that glass, you must replace it. Even if they tell you, don't worry. Say, oh, God, I will worry. My pastor said, if I don't worry, I won't prosper. And I'm not joking about that. Too. You can't be going on the road, jam somebody's red light. It's your fault. And then you now be telling him, sorry, sir. What is sorry? Are you crazy? Read your Bible. What did the Bible say? The man went to the Lord and said, have patience with me. I will pay you all. So what I tell you is simple. If you are the one, if you are the one, I am not forgetful that you have. If you are the one that's responsible for somebody's damage, don't just tell him I'm sorry. Tell him, have patience with me. I will fix it. And that's not supposed to be a joke. Mean it. I broke it. If the fellow along the line now decides on his own, not from subtle pressure, you know, like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do. My wife just born the day before yesterday. In fact, my sister said in, in, in her husband too, born like three days after, you know? <laughs> if you tell this story, so that the man will just stylishly say, don't worry. Don't do it. It's not godly. But just be responsible. The other day, I mean, some of you know about it. Somebody was driving my wife, you know, went somewhere. The driver decided to do, crash somebody's car very terribly. Almost a head-on collision. God saved their lives and everything. At the end of the day, when me, Thor Reverend, Israel, number of us, we said that, look, we are at fault. When we saw the man, we didn't argue with him. Say, said, look, bros, there's no need to argue. Our driver was wrong, 100%. How much will it cost to repair your car? He told us we paid him. Because you have, no, it's about being responsible. Don't think I didn't have what to do with the money. It's about being responsible. I'm just giving an idea of what precepts, how we operate life as believers. As believers, there are precepts. We go out to go and learn them. God has taught, he has what? Express commandments. He has express commandments we are supposed to learn. Honor your father and your mother. Paul said this is the first commandment with a promise. He restated that one for us. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord. It's all over scriptures like that. Clear cut things that he said do or don't do. That's what I mean by commandments. The fourth, testimonies. What are testimonies? Personalized commandments. Many times people look at me and say, oh, you didn't come for this. I said to them, I couldn't get permission from heaven to come. And I'm not joking. This Saturday morning, used to be evening, Saturday morning now. I hardly miss Saturday teaching here without a good reason. If we are going to preach somewhere else, I go. My classmates were doing a reunion the other day. This was in Lagos. I wanted to go. But I saw that they packed the activities. The main activities for the reunion was on Saturday. I told my friend, I couldn't find an excuse to tell God. I left where the people of God are waiting for me to serve them the fresh bread from heaven. To go and be hanging out with people who half of them don't even claim to be believers. I said, you don't get it. If they had just put the main event on Friday, I would have gone. And first flight on Saturday, I'll be back in Enugu. What was my problem? My personal commandment is that, oh boy, you have a primary assignment. I have overlooked that assignment without realizing it, and I've gotten into trouble. I don't joke with it. I'm always plot. <laughs> Wait, think about it. I'm not as I, God, Father, God, to you be the glory. I'm not bragging. I'm just trying to teach your children something. 
Check the whole year. You can count, apart from December that we're there on break, you can count on your fingers the rest of the year, a Saturday that I'm not preaching. If you can count two in a whole year, you try. In a whole year. You don't see me here, I'm preaching somewhere else. Last time, I wasn't here, I was in Sokoto. Or we had, the other one, we had a program in Oka. But I'm away from here, and it's not because I'm preaching somewhere else. In a whole year, you can't count two. That includes times that you hear that pastor say he's not feeling well, he can't get up. So I have to sleep through. So many times, I will still get up. The time I finish preaching, you just, I don't sit down here, I just go to my office, go and know it was collapsing time. <laughs> I just, last Saturday, many of you don't know. I stood, I finished preaching, I just went to the other side to go and, to go and do the collapsing thing. I, I felt like the night before, I wasn't feeling well. I said, nobody are going to preach, oh boy, you are going to preach. I don't doubt that heaven counts it. That one I don't even doubt. I'm talking about testimonies. Testimonies are usually given to you as a result of understanding. God kindles understanding of certain precepts and certain circumstances around you. He forms for you personal rules. You can't legislate them. Sometimes in our church, we don't watch television. I say it's your God's personal testimony. Me, I don't even like television these days. If I want to watch TV, it has to be something I, you know, like just, TV just be changing by itself. I don't like it. I said, no, let me select when I want to watch, what I want to watch. It's just my, own. I have my reasons. I have my reasons. I remember the first time I, I came was going to get a smartphone and all of that. I told him, I will buy you a good phone, but you cannot install Facebook on it. You can do Facebook, I don't have a problem, but it has to be on your computer. That was the agreement. I bought the phone. What was my reason? It's, that's why you'll be doing like this. Your lecturer is talking about I said, you could screw, the screw, the screw. I said, when it's on your computer, you will shut it down after a while. I had my reasons for deducing that. Listen, let me say something to you. Knowledge, I need to make this statement. One of the I wanted to teach today, but time is out on us, on us again. Knowledge places a demand on you. What did I say? Knowledge places a demand on you. Knowledge places a demand on you. Once you get to know, automatically you have to change certain things about your life. Once you get to know certain issues, you must, if you, no, you don't have a choice though. If you don't, what, you know, God is very kind. Your father is very kind. My father, our heavenly father, he's very kind. He's very merciful. He forgives a lot. One thing he does not forgive is what he has told you about. See, every day, you make mistakes. Not the problem. It doesn't. See, there are 10,000 things in this life. You only know about 200. So he gives you the 200 to go and be obeying. You know what happens to the other 9,800? Mercy covers them. It is never judged that you did anything wrong. Then one day, he says, oh boy, come. Take this extra knowledge. Five doses. It's not 205. Your next assignment in the next one year, conform yourself to the next five. Because after that, mercy doesn't cover it. After that, you break it, you get flogged. It doesn't let you get condemned for it, but you'll be punished for it so that you can repent. And it will be on your case all the days of your life until you, have, you imbibe those five. Then when you've imbibed those five, you say, you live like that for another six months. Say, come. Give me another 15. By the time this life is over, you are obeying all 10,000. 
he does not weigh you down with all of them automatically. Each time he brings new revelations, make it a habit. Let me give an example now. He doesn't come to you and say, stop, stop telling lies. He has said that by now, telling the truth has become a habit. Once it becomes a habit, there is no longer an effort. There's no longer effort with it. Once it becomes a habit. His aim each time he brings for revelation for you is for you to form truth into a habit. Did you get what I said? That's why doing commandments on, on giving percentage. I use it to train children. When my wife and I first got married, because we just started doing things together, of course, we were not married before that. We just married and the two became one flesh. So the cash became one flesh. No, the two became one cash. Abby, what, what did the two become money-wise? <laughs> they became one money. Abby? So to make giving easy, so we won't have to stress headache. Of, uh, we just shared it. Okay. We shared the money into two. Two from the beginning. Say half. I did we share into two. Half is for giving. Do you understand? Yes. You understand? We agreed. Two of us, we understood each other. Of the giving, we shared it again into half. Half of half is for gospel. Half of half is for general giving. You know, when you put away half of your income for you, there's no quarrel. Do you get my point? You, you, there will be no quarrel. But now we don't do percentage. We drop that. It didn't even last more than the first two years or so. Because we kept on zeroing the accounts. Because we always overshot it. Now, where I'm going is that we don't do percentage anymore. Why? If, to the glory of God, it's become a habit. It's just a habit. It needs, a, a need arises. And my husband, this man said, oh, what's supposed you just keep doing it. I can't remember one last I sat down and said, what percentage of your income are you giving? So that I have the money I do. If I don't have, I'm, I'm not, do you follow my point? Again, let me talk about money some more. See, can I beg all of you for something? Today, I am going to preach until I am tired. I don't care about you. So better just fasten your sitting belt because I'm not planning to stop. I'm not saying by force. So if Holy Spirit withdraws, <laughs> please, I just need only two people to cooperate with me to help me keep the Holy Spirit on me. Thank you. Another person. Victory. <laughs> In fact, we have more. <laughs> we have enough people. Now, I was explaining that, you see, we form good doing into a habit. So it's no longer a commandment. I'll be getting my point. Each time, God brings a revelation. So for me, that time, I'm talking about testimonies. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Why I don't like all this command of this and that is that it's okay when you start. But you have to allow God work in you until the doing of what is right becomes what? A habit, no longer struggle. So that is why, now, I don't have time to sit down. How much of this did I use for this? What I wanted to say is that, I just wanted to add a small digression. Have you ever heard this thing before, that people say that you can't borrow to give? Eh? Yes. I also used to say it, but I don't say such anymore. Say, so why don't you do that? Are you saying we should borrow to give? No, I'm not saying that. I only say something. That whatever you do to meet your own needs is good also for giving. You hear what I said? Many of you bought shirts and six months later they are still paying. Usually women. Men still do it, but by the way, if you bought shirt and you're paying for six months, thunder fire you. <laughs> Let's first get that one clear. There are things you should not do. That shirt is not your size. You are size 16. That shirt is size 20. 
It's looking like Agbada on you. you. You are the one that can't see. You think it's your size. It doesn't fit you. Spiritually, all the angels are seeing you wearing an oversized shirt. And because it's oversized, it goes soon hook in one free metal at a gate. When you hear, it's an angel that taught it. And you must still continue, finish paying the person you bought it from. Why will you be paying for a shirt for six months? If you were thunder, wouldn't you fire you? But there are things, of, of course, you do for longer. Typically, the way the world is structured, the average, you probably buy a car that's worth it by a whole year's earning for you. That's typically what the world is like, all right? Yeah, people buy cars that's worth that. They are, if you take all the money they earn in eight, 12 months, just talking about Nigeria and America, I'm weighing it now in my head. Right? A typical person that earns like $50,000 a year, all right? Buys a car made of $30,000. Same thing down here. We tend to do that. Down here, we save money and buy cash. Over there, they pay monthly when they finish paying. Now, so, things like a car, you tend to save or buy and then bit by bit pay. I hope you're getting my point. For your car. So, why is it that when it's the gospel, it says only what you have? And I used to know people, I don't know any wicked person like that anymore. Who, you know what they do? They bought car, they bought house, they bought a piece of the moon, a bit of Titanic, they've invested in cryptocurrency. I saw a video yesterday, let me quickly just, you know MMM? It says the, lo- the world's longest surviving scam and the worst hit country in history is Nigeria. Yeah, just by the way, that man came and scammed Nigerians. And you know what we did to him? He died by fire. You know, you can't come steal a... When we go to MFM, what are you talking about? <laughs> when they finish coming us, see, listen, listen, let me just advise those of you, international audience, allow us to scam ourselves. If you come from abroad and scam us, forget it, you are dying by fire. We don't, there's no... The guy scammed them in Russia, he got away. Scammed them in Brazil, mm-hmm. he, scammed over, he came to Nigeria, he scammed us. Ah. Uh-uh. Hey, you know some churches put their money inside. They carry this thing, go church. International scammers, I'm just warning you. One want to scam, let us scam each other. We can scam you if you will allow us, but don't come on, come on, scam us. The Lord is good. So like I was saying, so people, they invest their money everywhere. At the end of the month, they only have 15% remaining. When you say to them, give money to something, they say, this is all I have. It is acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he doesn't have. I can only give it from what I have. That's what Pastor Frankie said. They'll not be quoting me. That's why some churches will not change the doctrine. That's why legalism is not good. You will not say that it is on the gross Tight is on the ground. You don't blame the pastors because he knows that this is my church people. They will first deduct the mortgage, deduct the car payment, deduct everything. The cooperative they have joined in the office, one that used to be 200,000, will now be remaining 40. They now, they will now want to give me 4,000 tight. Pastor say, oh boy, it is a you wise. Me self, I wise. I'm, next Sunday, I'm changing the doctrine. Today, we are preaching on the whole Tight. Tell your neighbor, bring the whole tight. The whole tight. You calculate even before government collects tax. 
Do you want to pay government before God? <laughs> See, Konima and I, Konima and Beriam. See, church people think they get sense. We pastors too don't get sense. Of course, brethren, that's what we do to ourselves when we operate legalism. Just like I said to you earlier, I won't go to my children and say that I'm paying for mortgage, you will not eat. I won't go to them and say that I'm paying for a car, you will not eat. No, now. One thing God gave me as a revelation, testimony long ago also, you know, we're talking about testimonies, is that, see, anything I'm doing that affects my ability to give is not blessed. If I say I'm building a house, the children, when they say, Daddy, you want ice cream? What do you think? What, what do you what, what, Ice cream? Is going to get you to heaven? When you start talking nonsense, just know you are not blessed. Your children say that, ah, Daddy, you want to buy meat pie? That's it. This prayer I have with you, you don't have a sense of value. You want to eat meat? How will they help you? Don't you know it contains cholesterol? It's high in fat. It's refined product. You not be talking medicine you don't understand just because you don't want to buy children meat pie. You want them to soak the gary with the granite that you kept in the house. Nothing wrong with gary and granite, but it is because you are building the house. Stop that job. You can't afford it. It's not a blessed job. Some people do another thing. You know, let me just warn you. Stop doing the question. When I find you out, I'm going to fight you. They come and meet. Steve, please, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. Steve will say, take. Tomorrow, Steve, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. He says, take. After third day, Steve now found that why is the guy not having money? He has given all his money to do foundation. <laughs> you will look like, Steve look like, I'm the idiot, Abby. Me. I've not even bought land. Not talking about foundation. You use all your money to be building house, and you are coming to ask me for food. Work out to you. Honestly, that is the only thing I have to tell you. It's not a good thing. I see people do. Somebody stop my colleague, say, please give me money for my medicine. He has eye problem. Say, you know, my building project is taking all my money. Yeah. Say, please, I need medicine to buy, pay for, I need money to pay for my medicine because Bishop has collected all my money to do the roof. Bishop, when people start harassing you at the end of the day, Namikosa. <laughs> the Lord is good. No, it's not right. All right? So, uh, just a small aside. No, I told you aside. So, now, what is God teaching us? He says, I will teach you what is right until it becomes what? A habit. Giving becomes a habit. Prayer becomes a habit. Forgiving people becomes a habit. Not looking, not worrying. Very important. Not worrying about tomorrow must be a habit. You know, they're supposed to raise tariff from today, are we? They said they are waiting for president to sign. Because this president is something I don't know. He, he may have signed before he told you. <laughs> this is our new president. God bless him. But, you know, you know that something removed. Did he, did, nobody told him to say that in that deal. Did you hear the story? Yeah. He was not in his speech. You know what I heard? He said suddenly boldness came upon him. He said he was just reading speech. They suddenly the thing came on him. The thing came on him. Like a strong man. And he just opened his mouth and said, subsidy is gone. And then people say, wait, did he just say that? <laughs> and then people say, did the guy say, the guy say, yes, I said so. Okay? And then people say, sorry, guys, there's no more subsidy. So this tariff now, I tried to buy a unit today. You know, today is 1st of July. They took my money. I didn't see a unit. No, I'm going, those of you who work in my bank that I use, I'm, come, just come and give me. I'm not asking you for, just give my money back. <laughs> But this is where I'm going. When I heard the announcement, it's going to go out of, uh, 40, some say 40, some say 150. Eh? How many percent? 
Is it? Okay. There was one that I even said it was 150. The Lord just made it clear to me before now. And no one here say you go buy credit in bulk. Now, so I dragged leg until July 1st enter. It didn't even concern me. Do you know why? The last time I did it, my meter burnt. God said, Vanky, if I hear you are anxious for tomorrow, they said the last increase, they want to increase. It. I went, let me tell you how many units I bought. I bought a hundred thousand dollar unit of that time. As I load and finish, now meter said, oh God, this is too much. <laughs> The meter bond. I didn't even know. It was one day I was in my house. I think my son come that we have been disconnected. I said, why would I be disconnected from public power for what? It's prepaid. I rushed. I remember where I was. I rushed down home. They said, I went to the next block. Blocked the woman. Madam, what is going on? I heard you disconnect my, my power. She said, yes, that my meter is bad. What do you mean it's bad? I brought her evidence. I loaded 100,000 naira credit just a few weeks beforehand. Even she felt bad. She had it reconnected. That their rule is that when the meter is bad, they disconnect with you. Come to the office, they come and negotiate, apply for direct connection. And let me tell you, if you hate yourself, let EEDC connect you directly. What am I trying to say? Let me just no, not get too sidetracked. Do you know? Again, I told my wife, I buy plenty of credit for our office so that when they increase it, Namio, they go buy credit. You know, in a spirit attack, is the spirit. When they say be sensitive, I've told you, your sensitivity is to obedience to God. As they put that unit finish, in one day, 5,000 ago, phew. What saved you was that the unit was loaded bit by bit. So they bought 5,000 first, then 50,000 was supposed to be added to it. The 5,000 went, phew, ah, one day. They put another one, it disappeared. Now we go call you this. They said, no, the problem is not with them, it's with the building. Make a long story short. I called all the engineers I knew. There was, and God gave me small wisdom in those things. I tried everything to trace where it was leaking to. We never found out. Finally, we now realized that it's one part of the building. So we had to shut that side off entirely and rewire it, you know, surface. Just drag extension here and there. It was about a year later that one guy was just passing one of the rooms and it felt the wall was warm. They removed the cupboard. They did everything. Found out inside one big this thing, wires had congealed, hugging each other, you know, touching each other. I learned how to walk in the spirit um, by faith. We learn to interpret your life from scripture. Listen, the Bible says, "By faith we understand." I use faith to understand everything that happens to me. I tied the two together, and I said to the Lord, "I'm sorry." So when you tell me that they are increasing fuel price, I just continue like I didn't hear you. So quickly rush, you go and buy fuel. Store it away. You're not serious. I'm just going to continue like I didn't hear you. Because I don't want to buy fuel that will set my car on fire. You know, God takes offense. He said, wait, Banky, I can buy cheap power credits. I can't pay for expensive ones. That's what you are saying. So I've learned. He says, sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. I woke up this morning. They are changed to Jan- July 1st. They said they are increasing tariff. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. If I have that thought, it's a sin. Just with, uh, Father God, I thank you. You are the God of cheap power. The God of expensive power. You can save by cheap power. 
You can save by expensive power. Look, and God helping me, I have prayed. I will not say, you know, children, power is now costly. Nobody should use hot water in this house to bath again. <laughs> God forbid. See, if you, anything you like, charge. I will pay the one for today. The Lord will bring the one for tomorrow. God pulled my ear about worry. When they were dividing the Naira every day, this one guy that didn't care. I said, I said to the Lord, the worst that will happen is that you start sending me money in US dollars or Euro or Chinese Yuan, whichever one. But this guy will not sin against you by worrying about tomorrow. I will not. God forbid that I should sin against him by worrying about tomorrow. I refuse. In Jesus' name, I will refuse. The time that four is going to be 1,000 at the end of the... You know, there's something they say in Yoruba. Yoruba man has one sin. I think Ibos also have that saying. Do you have it? They say, the sky is falling. It's not one man's trouble. That they say, that maybe you come out now. They say, hey, hey, the sky is falling. You know, I say, yeah, Mugwe. Yoruba man say, are you the only one? When he falls, he falls on everybody. So if you are going, just say, hey, all the clouds are coming down. Just continue walking. They, you know, when they say the whole world will end with a, with a bomb black. See, the only thing I just pray to God, hmm? when you want to bomb everybody and kill everybody, bomb all my responsibilities first so that I won't die, people will be crying. Do you get my point? Hmm. Bomb, boom, all of us will just miss you here. Hey, guys, church. <laughs> I don't feel anything at all. You see, the only thing I want life for, God sees my heart, is to be a blessing to those he has given me commandment to be a blessing to. This earth is not to be desired. Jesus will wipe it away one day. But his come is going to melt even the mountains. Ignorance rock will turn to vapor. What are we talking about here? But you know what? He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. That place, you know what I found out? Only righteousness dwells there. There's no iniquity there. It's the kind of place you park your car. And you don't even... In fact, the, the cars, they, if they are cars, I'm not saying they are cars. Do not have locks. Again, there's no anti-theft device. Nobody steals anything there. I hope you're getting my point. What dwells in that place is righteousness. If God gives you understanding, you will hate to stay in this world. This world is just a place of work. No, no matter how good your place of work is, you want to go home. Uh, don't you know? Yes. If you see any man that never wants to go home, he and his wife, they are quarreling. So we learn precepts. That's the point I'm making. We learn precepts. We learn precepts of God. We learn testimonies. They come out of the precepts, and then there are what? Ordinances. There are ordinances. What are ordinances? Physical things God gave us to do so as to energize the spiritual things. For example, baptism is an ordinance. Fellowshipping together physically. Do you hear what I said? There's those of you in Enugu that you keep on streaming. Those of you say, I'm streaming from home. What you are doing is not good. It's not because of kingdom word. It's brethren. You must have a gathering with brethren. It's for your own good. The touch that they give you, that little hug, hey, bro, how are you doing? It's known to cure heart disease. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a social person. You never go for any wedding. Let me tell you something. It won't happen to you in Jesus' name. 
But, but let me tell you what happened to people like that. Really, they are, they are, they've been there for three days before people find out. I've seen a number. They just go, we have not seen Lagbaja in three days. They go and knock on the door. What's smell? They go and call police. Because before you break somebody's door, you have to get police. Police will now authorize the breaking of the door. They find the guy died three days ago. And this is Africa. If you die, you die like Lazarus. After four days, nobody comes near there. Those who go for weddings live longer. Those who go for birthdays, who, who organize birthday, have a reason. So let me just beg you. One day, I just get up. Just say, brother, I'm doing Thanksgiving. They say, what happened? When they come to you, what happened? God has been good now. Did that not happen to you too? <laughs> There's a new one we have in our house now. I thank God for it. It came by accident a few weeks ago, but it's working. I have a very big television, so instead of diving to go and see the Titanic, where people will now die, I found out that it's cheaper <laughs> to get a very nice movie my wife and Jerry went to the mall, buy all the chopping things, including popcorn and ice cream. All kinds of you put in the center, the big sitting room, put in the center. Now sit down there and be watching film together and eat. Eat. Eat till you collapse. What is that your submersible will not implode and kill you? Sometimes friends do that. Gather somewhere. Get a projector at the outside your house. Beam a movie against the wall. Meanwhile, hire one of our bookie guys. To be roasting something spiritual on one side. <laughs> Must somebody die before you kill goat? <laughs> Seriously, why do we always wait for something bad to happen? <laughs> I'm telling you, just get a wall of your outside. Put speakers there, put one big movie there. Put one guy. Nothing, just what is happening? Nothing. After you finish the movie, play the music, you just, just gist, talk, 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 then share a word of thanksgiving. Everybody go home. I'm telling you, all this hypertension. Have you ever seen anybody measure Abraham's blood pressure? When you drink fresh milk, you sleep on time. You know, Abraham didn't used to stay up at night because there's, not, there's no television, there was nothing. You sleep on time, wake up early in the morning, go about your business. Your blood pressure cannot be high. You know why your blood pressure is high? 4 a.m., you are still tweeting. 12 midnight, you are checking your email. They did not put a movie for you that lasted till 2 a.m. They did not enter traffic from Ajangbadi. All the <laughs> to my <laughs> Why won't you have high blood pressure? No, think about it. If you were high blood pressure, would you do increase? <laughs> you will increase too. Let me tell you the truth. You have to, some of you, 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 when you're on leave, it's when you go and look for extra work. You're not, you not the poorest person on this earth. When you're on leave, go and sleep. Gather all these movies like Professor Dindy <laughs> that will make you laugh. Gather your friends, watch it. You say, Pastor, but what if I can't kill a good? Kill foul. But you must eat, drink, be merry, oversleep. Not I'm on leave. I should be able to make some extra money. That's what one man from my office. I said they do, 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 do. Next thing he woke up, he died. <laughs> then they called us. Went. To, I said, so this is the house the man built. The only thing they could say that uh, someone, one woman in my office, someone went there. She was, she was not educating me on Igbo culture. I was looking at her like this. 
See, now that he has, he has, he has way to bury him. You are still dead. <laughs> See, if they carry it to your father's house and build, bury you there, you are still dead. If they bury in the house you build, you are still dead. So what sort of this is now that he built the house, they have a place to bury? How can you be prepared as a young man for where they will bury it? My children should make that decision. I'm telling you the truth. In preparing, look, if you don't know where to bury, carry me, just go to one cemetery. Just, just bring, bring a big tombstone and write, this was a man of faith. Leave it there. Some people, don't worry, they will find it later. And say, this was where this man of God was buried. I'll kill myself before my time because I'm looking for where you will bury me and call my own. The Lord is good. God gave us all these ordinances. Now that's what I'm talking about. Fellowship people together. It's very important. Please have friends. Hmm? Don't be the kind of person that nobody can hug. Hug people once in a while. Hey, my guy, you know, you're sure. They don't talk. Relax. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's in the Bible like that. Do not forsake the assembling together of one another. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity, in one accord. It's important. It's important. And by the way, if you're an unpleasant person, go and learn how to be pleasant. You will just you know some people they are chronically angry. You've seen them before. Just angry for nothing. Stop it. Rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. Make rejoicing a habit. When people greet you, smile. Not good morning, sir. Uh-huh. Well, what's good about the money? What is all of that? I have a friend that takes pride in it. I'm a tough guy. Your heart will just be like this one day. <laughs> it's not beating again. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. No, it's that thing I've said is very important. There's no need to be an unpleasant person. Uh, no need. Be a pleasant humanity. So, we go about to learn. We learn the promises of God. I'll say some more things next time. Let me let you go today. But remember, knowledge is our goal. It's a drive. It's pushing us. Not only is it a goal for us in front, but it's a drive in our hearts. We want to know. I mean, you want to know what your father is like. You know God likes that. Do you know it's important to him? You know, God, it's very important to him. You know what he's like. When God wants to bless you, he gives you another illumination about his, himself. It's the greatest blessing he gives anybody. Yeah. When God wants to bless you, he reveals himself to you. He enjoys it. I found out he really wants you to know who he's like. One thing he did for Abraham, all right, was to constantly, through circumstances and then communication, tell him who he is. He will say, I am the Lord, your exceedingly great reward. When Moses asked him questions, he said, okay, let me give you something. He came, he said, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. That's just a summary of it. Of course, he spoke long that showing mercy to thousands of, you know, you know, he kept on describing himself. And that was a blessing for Moses. So you should get up in the morning wanting to know, find out from scriptures, what does he say he is like? Many times we describe him the way he doesn't like. Those who preach grace these days, they describe him the way I know he doesn't like. Not only because they don't know one part of him, but they deny it deliberately. Much of his glory has been given to another God. 
You know that? And I was reading my Bible the other day. And I found out that when God comes in vengeance to deliver his people, I found something about his character. For me, it was amazing. I found out that when he comes to deliver his people, the earth starts shaking. He said, pestilence will go before him. Destruction will come after him. Then we look around and say, it's the devil. He said, God said, no, no, no. Which devil? It's not the devil now. I'm the one doing something. I am delivering my people. Trouble will go in front of him. Wala will come right behind him. And what does he say? He said, because he has come to deliver his people. I said, wow. And people said to me that it doesn't cause troubles. He does. Many of the troubles you find on this earth, do you know what happens? It's the one that causes it. Dr. Tagumi said something which I never forgot. I will never forget. Very powerful. He said, in each generation, God comes looking for fruit. All right? He will come for three generations. Then he says, time to cut it down. Then the Holy Spirit will believe. We say, no, wait, wait. Give me time. Then revival breaks out on the earth again. He says, look, guys, pay attention to what the Lord is saying. He desires fruit from the midst of you. And the earth will still not listen. The fourth time he comes back, he says, cut it down. He said, do you know what happens? A world war will now break out. And millions and millions and millions and millions will die. He will say the devil. God said, no, no, no. I told them, cut it down. I look at American history one day. About one million people died in their civil war. And I, have a, I found out from, from observing it and scripture. Why? God said, it's enough. He moved people from Africa with slavery. At the time he said, okay, let them go. They said no. I did a small calculation of the amount of slaves that died and the number of people that died in the American Civil War, and they correlated quite well. And God says, let them go. Otherwise, I kill your firstborn. I'm just adapting a particular scripture. So when they did not listen, God arose and decided to kill. And the way he did it was to set them against each other. And about one million people are said to have died. 700,000 fighting, 300,000 civilians. For the blood of the people that he wanted to save. Because what happened is that, of course, you know the way God works. Some of the slaves got to hear the gospel. They began to believe. You heard of Negro spirituals and stuff like that. They began to sing songs of praise. They began to worship God. They segregated them in their churches and retained them as slaves. Because the time for liberation has come. Once people didn't hear, you believe upon them, men began to kill each other. The problem I have is that we have given that glory to the devil. And God said, that's my glory. I don't let take glory from the sun and the rain. When I say, let there be a famine, give me my glory. Call him the God of famine. The God who has indignation against the wicked. The God who comes to judge so he can deliver his people. You know, if you preach him effectively, more people will repent. Let's give God thanks for this. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Say, Lord, we thank you for this morning.